0: What's happening, weirdos? Big news. We're doing a live episode over Zoom. Zoom live. Zoom live episode on, uh, let's see, April 10th. And it's with Jason Schwartzman. Holy shit. Me, sweet lady Val. Jason Schwartzman is the guest. You know him from Rushmore. Uh, I know him best from Fantastic Mr. Fox. We'll talk about that for sure. Um, Scott Pilgrim, he's incredible and also musical guest Matt Berninger from The National. Uh, Hopefully he can play whatever he wants, but I'm uh, guessing he's going to play something from one of my favorite records of all time, Serpentine Prison. We'll talk to him a little bit. We'll talk to you guys a little bit, uh, take questions from you, uh, from me, for Val, for Jason, whatever. Uh, It's going to be really, really fun. I'm so excited. For tickets, go to houseseats.live. Couldn't be easier. You'll see the you made it weird logo there. And it's name your price. I know times are uh tight. Uh not everybody's uh able to work at, at least as much as they uh need to or want to or whatever it may be. So name your price. If you're able to pay, pay. If you can't pay, uh name a price you can pay. <laughs> Maybe zero. I don't know, but come join us. Uh it would mean a lot to have a nice big crowd there. Um, and, of course, we'll release the audio here. But we would love to have you be a part of the show uh, on uh, on the Zoom. On the, Am I saying that right? On the Zoom with Jason Schwartzman. Holy shit. That's going to be fun. Uh, this is Derek Webb from Camden's Call, a Christian band that um, we talk about this. I wasn't uh, into Camden's Call. In fact, I call them Camden's Call when we talk about it. You'll catch that. Astute listeners will catch that. But it was an incredible chat I so loved talking with him. He has a lot of wonderful thoughts, stories, and a lot of laughs. I want to get to it, as I always say, as quickly as possible. I also recorded an episode today with, uh, I'm going to say this wrong too, but Brian Morarescu. 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 Brian Murarescu. He wrote The Immortality Key. Unbelievable. You're going to hear me talking a lot about this book, but we also just had an incredible chat That'll be out in a couple weeks. But the book is called The Immortality Key. It is a New York Times bestseller, and for good reason. It is basically tracing the roots of all religion back to the the mysteries of ancient Greece and even before, which uh, he makes a very compelling academic argument, uh, or I don't know if you call it an argument, a case uh, that it all traces back to psychedelic beer and psychedelic wine. And uh, boy... It's, it's like a real-life Indiana Jones, except instead of looking for, well, they're looking for the Lost Ark. They're looking for the, the Holy Grail. It's very much like Indiana Jones, but it's in this real world. So check that out. If you want to read that book before the chat, uh, I think you'll enjoy it even more. If you want to read it after the chat, even, who, who, go, God love you. Go with God. Go with God. <laughs> I've never said go with God in the intro before. Uh, if you want to show your support of the show, it always means a lot if you try a Pete's Pick. Our Pete's Picks are things that I actually use and love every single day. Our first Pete's Pick is Ritual. Ritual is the multivitamin that I take every day that's delivered straight to my door, which is incredible. We deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies and why, especially when it comes to something we take every day. And Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high-quality nutrients in bioavailable forms your body can actually use. There's no sugars, no GMOs, no major allergens, no synthetic fillers, no colorants, artificial colorants. Plus, they taste great. There's mint on them. I don't know how they do it, but there's a minty aftertaste after you take it, which I strangely look forward to, and a delayed-release capsule designed to break down in your lower intestines so the vitamins actually get into your bloodstream where you need them. I uh, love, it's sort of like the treadmill of multivitamins, meaning I'm motivated to take them because I know more are coming. I've tried to take multivitamins before. I didn't like the way they tasted. I didn't like that I didn't know where the things were coming from, and I didn't like remembering to buy more. Ritual takes care of all of that for me. I take it in the morning. I do intermittent fasting. Doesn't make me nauseous on an empty stomach, which is huge, and it gets me ready to start my day. A multivitamin should contain key nutrients and forms your body can actually use to help fill gaps in your diet. No shady extras. And their delayed release capsule delivers vitamin D3, uh, B12, which is important for me as a mostly vegan, and everything in there is completely traceable. It has a completely visible supply chain. They include literature with every order. It's also really eco-friendly. The packaging is very, very minimal. It's, uh, they have it for women. You might hear kazoo in the background, because Val is playing with Lila. Women, men, teens. Ritual multi- multivitamins are scientifically developed to help support different life stages, and it couldn't be easier. Uh, And if you don't love Ritual within your first month, they'll refund your first order. Get Key Nutrients Without the BS. Ritual is offering 10% off for your first three months to weirdos. Go to ritual.com slash weird to start your ritual today. That's ritual.com slash weird for 10% off for your first three months and show your support of the podcast. We also have Stitch Fix. We all know that online shopping can be daunting. You never know if things will fit. Returns are a pain in the butt and you don't even know what store to start with. So this season, let Stitch Fix do all the hard work. Stitch Fix, Stitch Fix, it can be difficult to say, but they offer clothing hand-selected by expert stylists for your unique size, style, and budget. Every piece is chosen for your fit and for your life, and it's the easy solution to finding what makes you look and feel your best. Try in pieces at home before you buy. This is what Val has been doing for years. I'm newer to the Stitch Fix game, She looks great, she swears by it, It's simple. You keep your favorites and you send back the rest. Stitch Fix has free shipping, easy returns and exchanges, and a prepaid return envelope is included. There's no subscription required. You try Stitch Fix once or set up automatic deliveries. You pay just a $20 styling fee for each box, which gets credited towards pieces you keep, and there are no hidden fees ever. Stitch Fix has styles and clothing to fit any occasion for men, women, kids, and they ship all over the U.S. and even in the United Kingdom them as well. So get started today at Stitchfix.com slash Pete, and you'll get twenty-five percent off when you keep everything in your fix. That's Stitchfix.com slash Pete for twenty-five percent off when you keep everything in your fix. And show your support of the show by going to Stitchfix.com slash Pete. I love I love Val's clothing. <laughs> That's my little personalization. And it all she it's like 99.9% Stitch Fix, So I swear by it on behalf of, of, of the fam. I am listening to so much kazoo and giggling. It's giving me a lot of joy. Last but not least, the Pete's pick that I probably spend the most time on is Brooklinen sheets. We did an overhaul. We were tired of sleeping on unsoft, holy, meaning with holes. I don't mean sacred, unpleasant sheets. Val and I were always looking forward to staying in a hotel or someplace nice because they have great sheets but we just wanted to bring that home and we did it with Brooklinen. And they don't just do sheets, they do comforters. How's your comforter looking these days? A lot like you feel, maybe a little lumpy, maybe a little deflated, no longer has the same fluff it used to. Well, maybe it's time for a refresh. With Brooklinen, whether you're an early bird or like to hit the snooze button, everyone deserves to sleep in ultimate comfort. And that starts with your, apropos, the name, your comforter. Brooklinen makes beautiful, high-quality bedding and home essentials. They work directly with manufacturers to give you a fair price. That means no middlemen and no markups. Their comforters come in lightweight all-season and ultra-warm to suit every type of sleeper and lifestyle. There's even a weighted comforter option for stress relief, which is what we use, which I absolutely love. If you're not into weighted comforters, I don't know how you're being so calm. I love it. It's like sleeping, I don't know, in a robot's womb. I love it. They offer a variety of materials, including including eco-friendly recycled-down alternative, and Brooklyn's comforters pair perfectly with their sheets, pillows, and duvet covers, There's a reason Brooklinen has over 75,000 five-star reviews in counting. We love everything that we have, Brooklinen. Our bed did a complete overhaul. I've always enjoyed sleep. I didn't know I could enjoy it more. But it turns out getting high-end sheets without the high-end markup was filling the gap that I didn't even know was fillable. So easy and so pleasurable with Brooklinen. I just complained about it. The founders of Brooklinen went in and they said, hey, we got to fix this, and they made their own company, and we just get to benefit. No markups, no metal men, best, softest sheets that we've ever had. We love them. And every every wash they get softer. So treat yourself to ultimate comfort with Brooklinen's comforter collection. Go to brooklinen.com and use promo code WEIRD to get 25 bucks off with a minimum purchase of $100. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N. Com and enter promo code WEIRD for $25 off with a minimum purchase of $100. That's Brooklyn.com and show your support of the show by using promo code WEIRD. All right, guys, that is it. Enjoy Derek Webb, and I really hope to see you Saturday, April 10th, 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard. Me, Sweet Lady Val, musical guest Matt Berninger from The National, and special guest Jason Schwartzman taking questions from you guys, recording a live episode, which we haven't done in so long. Please come. Please check it out. You name your price. Go to houseseats.live, houseseats.live, and get your tickets today. Can't wait to see you. All right, everybody. Enjoy Derek Webb. Get into it. Hey, hey, how's it going?
1: Good. How are you? Well, I'm doing fine. How are you doing? Good, oh, you sound great.
0: God, oh, good. You got to love a musician. I, that's exactly what I was going to say. You probably love interviewing musicians. I do love interviewing musicians, <laughs> and I love interviewing. I I hope you don't take this the wrong way. I know so no. little about you. Yes. yes. <laughs> I, I love, sorry, I know we're from no. similar worlds, and Richie says, Richie Roar. wow, that's got to be a record for referencing Richard. <laughs> But I know that you're sort of in this – it's in your interest, at least I think it is. Yeah. He says – Absolutely. One of the signs of conversion is are you graceful under persecution? There it is. So if I was like, hey, Derek, I'm so happy to be talking to you, but I don't know much about you and you were like deeply hurt, I would be like – I don't know, man. Oh, it's was great to talk to you. What a yeah, great exactly. <laughs> I'll stick with people like me, comedians, exactly. uh, if I want somebody so sensitive.
1: Well, no, and well, and I don't worry about it because I will more than balance the scale. Because I, um, I'm going to try to keep my cool, but. You know, I've I, I really thought that our relationship worked the way it was before, where I was like a huge fan and you didn't know who I was. Like that was working pretty well for us, I thought. <laughs> but now this is happening. And so it's, I think it's going to be fine. But the point is like, you know, it's we're going to balance each other out just
0: fine. I think it'll be just fine. But yeah. my my enthusiasm is sincere. I was listening to your music today and, and just oh. doing a little bit of research on you. Yeah, But I, I deliberately didn't do too much because I was like – I think it'll be fine. So Tom Osborne put us in touch. Yes. And every time Tom puts me in touch with somebody, I just love it. So it was a quick and easy yes.
1: Oh, well, I'm thrilled. I mean, I
0: couldn't be more grateful to get to chat with you. Oh, I'm so happy too. And to talk specifically to somebody that I don't know that much about. That's actually has so much more potential. That's right. That's
1: right. (laughs) Well, at least for you to be surprised, which I mean, right. And in our line of work, and I said our, but you know, like, where you do a thing and you do it over and over again to perfect it you know like i you, you craft your sets and you know i'm a musician it's it's a similar type of type of gig and the un, finding the unexpected is where all the joy can can be it's like when you get off your rhythm or your string breaks or whatever it is and you have to sort improvise your way out of that yeah. moment is yeah. all
0: the great possibility you know i so. mean i love you already that's that's, <laughs> that's so great I heard you talking about doing house shows and, and you called yeah. it like a more immediate transference of energy. Yes. But I sometimes get some shit for this because it's not as typical to apply that sort of loftiness to comedy, but I oh. do see it as a, as an exchange. I often call it sexual, but I think Absolutely. I'd get, I'd get, thank you. I think I would get in less trouble or be teased less. Right. If I just said it's an exchange, a give and a take of energy, oh. no one could disagree with that, but yeah. when you're saying something when I was starting comedy and I noticed the difference between a headliner and uh, the middle actor, the opener yes. was when someone th- something went wrong, the headliner seemed to enjoy it yes, and I, I have agree. I have video of me something hilarious happens, and I just keep doing the joke right because I just didn't have. Uh, the expertise or the experience to um, yeah, to, well, to that's when that. you
1: and that's when you find everything, in my opinion. And and, I, and inter- est- interestingly, I feel like it's like a uh, a hallmark of my journey or my story or whatever is how much over the years, especially in my adult life, in my forties now. But I've, I've been in this job since I was young, since I was just out of high school in, in my early twenties. I've played music or whatever, expressed myself for a living. Uh, but like what I found and really come to value is failure. Like failure is the best. I don't mean to just like jump right into the pool, but like
2: jump failure in. is uh,
1: it, it's, it's the best. It's the most important thing that anyone's doing all the time.
0: Derek, and yet I couldn't agree more. Yeah, you
1: know, and, and so <laughs> and, like, and so like, macro, like micro is what, what we were saying before. Like you, you break a guitar string or you get off your rhythm or the, or something about the joke or, and you have to figure your way out. And the, the improvisation, the creativity it takes in the moment or even in hindsight, fine. But the point is that's where you learn everything because when you succeed, you heap more pressure on yourself to succeed more and you miss it. And very few people celebrate or anything. They just blow right past the success. You just more pressure. But when you fail, you pump the brakes, you pull over. What the hell happened back there? What You know yeah. what? And you learn hopefully something. And then you go on to at least fail differently or feel, fail faster. Um, until you sort something out. Have you heard
0: me say that? I say, I got it from uh, video game developers, but they say fail faster, find the fun. So instead of discussing whether or not they should try something, they try it so they can fail quickly. But then from the failure, take what worked. And that's where the game, I don't know if you play games at all, but an incredible game called Braid. It was an independent game. Oh my
1: gosh, yes. Uh, You uh, played Braid. Jonathan Jonathan Blow. Uh, Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, he he made another game that had... The the time component that became Braid, but the game yes. that he was working on for years and years failed, and then he started over yes. with just that one. So yes. we wouldn't have had it if he was. Never. I couldn't uh, the indie
1: indie game the movie documentary it's about. A great it's movie. one of my favorite all time docs, um, and he's great. in there talking a lot. A lot of wisdom from him in that movie.
0: I wish I liked Fez more. I I watched I that know. movie and then I played <laughs> Fez and I was like, I just huh. don't like platformers. I, I don't. Yeah, 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 I don't think I have the eyesight for them, or something is wrong That's with me that I don't like the. When I was a kid, I used to love the specificity of jumping on a, on a, on a Goomba. I don't know why they're called Goombas. No. He's Italian and they're called Goombas. It's kind of a strange (laughs) thing. Uh, But I liked that. And now I'm just like, I can't handle that precision. Yeah. 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 Just because I know we both like Jesusy things and we come from that tradition. Sure. I, that, that idea of, of of failure being where the juice is is so interesting to me. And of course, um, I think of a Ritchie thing. He, he, he talked about the Sermon on the Mount, and I don't want to get too academic because I do catch sure. myself sometimes patting myself on the back for like getting it more. Yeah, do you know what well, I mean. That's like,
1: well, that's like a that's like a core value of evangelical Christianity is to like get it more. You know, oh my god! It's, it's, just, <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like how how tight your systematic theology is now tuned oh, up. It is. My God, it's like a metric right. of success
0: or whatever. You're it absolutely right. is. It that's, was for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To your ability, no. Your I I want to get back to that, Uh, but just because I think you'll like this point. Yeah, he says when Jesus says, "Blessed are the poor or the poor in spirit." Yeah, his interpretation. So I won't. I won't be so bold as to say it's what it is. Yeah, he's like the quicker you're disillusioned with the Maya, if you're broken. Or literally something small, like your guitar string breaks. So your story of rock star at a show is broken. Or I'm bombing and I sweat and I panic. But if you're really broken and like nothing is working, so you really are poor in spirit. I've heard other people interpret it, that it means if you're poor in spirit, you don't have a lot of ideas of yourself. So there's more room for... spacious freedom, which is really, that's a great interpretation. Super helpful. Right. I don't know if, you know, bird talker, but they say shut your brain off long enough to hear the lowly hum. I'm like, that's it. That's the whole Uh, thing. So that could be poor in spirit as well. Yeah. But Richie posits that like, if you're, you know, no job is working, no relationship is working and the world just keeps kicking you in the face. You'll be quicker to turn your back on it and go like, well, these are just puppets. We're all just playing roles and going around and pretending like we're not spinning in infinity. And you have a better <laughs> shot at seeing the, the deeper reality because you're yeah. not. Whereas, you know, a rich person going through the eye of a needle, right? If you're constantly getting blowjobs and back rubs and, and yes. enemas, and I, I don't mean enemas—I mean like hot chocolate enemas, right. just like your favorite things, <laughs> uh, like medical like, enemas, like like ones with olive oil. <laughs> You know, like <laughs> an elective enema, yeah. right? Yeah. an had elective. There you go. Yeah. Elective enemas are a something whole other special. Yeah, something something special. special. <laughs> um, you, you have less chance of waking up. They would say yeah. if the dream is yeah. too pleasant, I know that sounds crazy because yeah. my dream is very pleasant, but I, I can kind of get in tune with that. So your are yeah. string breaking or whatever it is, your faith crumbling, or yeah. I know a little bit about you, your, your yeah. marriage yeah. ending, or yep, yep. whatever, small, great, and small disruptions. Yeah. Yes. When I'm interu- interviewing somebody and they're in the middle of a press tour, you have to. I just recently did this. I, you, you catch them going into that gear. Yeah. Where you really are being a puppet, yeah. playing the role of someone being interviewed, and you yeah. just have to say, "Have you ever almost died? Or have you ever right. seen a UFO or whatever?" To, to snap yeah. them out of it, to break their yeah. guitar string. It's jet. Yeah, that that's make? right. Yeah, go
1: ahead. Uh, well, no, no, that's fantastic, and the good—that's kind of the good news—is like I am at the point, probably generally in my career, but also specifically at this moment, where I don't have some, 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 uh, you know, volume-weighted average where I'm trying to pull us in, to, or I've got something I really need to uh, get out into the world right now, other than just hopefully some, as you've already done, we've already succeeded, some very helpful language for people to be able to understand reality as they see it mm. that's that's actually the, the great thing that that anyone any creative person can give to the world i mean i've always kind of seen the creative job is to look at the world describe it for people that's kind of the job and uh and language like finding language the, usually the artists and the folks who i've really loved are folks who find new ways of saying things i already uh believed or, or thought or but just some disruptive way to say it where I'm like, at first think, man, that sounds crazy. And I for sure don't, I don't know if you, if you know who Rich Mullins is, but he's a, he, he was a fantastic, he was a very legendary uh, Christian singer songwriter in the, like in the eighties and the nineties. And he, he died uh, more than 20 years ago now, I believe, but mm. he was like a, insane. He lived on, on a, a Native American Indian reservation for most of his second half of his life when he had money, which he gave away completely. Whoa. And he lived like vows of poverty. And he, he was just a like monk like he was a really tremendous character if you don't know much about him you would love to learn about this guy rich Mullins. and anyway he was a guy who was great at this he would come in and he loved finding new language for things that would that would set everybody off and disrupt it and kind of like what you were saying before like have you ever you know uh, about ufos or dying or whatever it is to shake someone into the live moment a little bit yes and he was great at this and so he would there's this great story about he would um when he was, uh, came down from the mountain, so to speak, and to, here to Nashville to probably meet with his record label to talk about his next album they were expecting him to make, and they would ask him, you know, so rich, you know, because he had, like, big songs in the radio. It was, like, Amy Grant and Michael W. Smith and Rich Mullins. I mean, like, they were the big on the mountain, you know, uh, for a long time during those decades. And so it was high expectations. He would come in, you know, what do you think? And he would love to come and drop a little bomb on these very conservative Christian uh, music label people. And mm. then he would come in and they'd say, "Well, what do you think?" And they, they were being cute about, "Oh, Rich, what do you, you know, what's your big crazy idea nowadays? What you thinking nowadays?" And I, this is a great story how he would say, "Well, I've been thinking about it, and I've decided that um, that I think we are actually saved by works." Now, it, now, hopefully, this will trigger something for you. Maybe not all your listeners, but there's this whole thing about, "No, are you saved by grace, not by works? Because if yeah. it was works, then we could." And Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and that whole thing. And he's like, no, I'm pretty sure. I, I think we're saved by works. I think works are what really saves us. And, and they were looking at him, looking at each other like, oh, God, is this the record we have to promote or whatever? And they they, they poked him for a little bit. And finally he said, well, you know, like, I mean, not my works. Like, you know, J- Jesus works on my behalf, but it's works that save me, though. I mean, not mine. And then they were like, oh, well, shit, that's like the most orthodox thing in the world. But coming out of his mouth at that moment, it made me have to rethink the whole thing. And it yeah. made me, it kind of set me off my balance. In a way that got them to like, and this has been a big part of my story, is uh, the idea of deconstructing or full audit of all the presumptions about reality that help you to make sense of it. Some people call that deconstruction or whatever it is. It's a loaded word nowadays, especially here in Nashville. But going through that is really, even if you come back to the, the things where you previously were, the things you previously believed or whatever, just... Pulling that shit out of the ground and looking at the roots of it to see if it's real and if it's healthy and then replanting it, just the act of doing that is so incredibly helpful and Mm -hmm. getting into a rhythm of examining uh, your presumptions about reality, Mm -hmm. I think is getting into a rhythm of doing that where you kind of lose some conclusion bias. You keep shorter receipts with the language that you use, where you don't start, you don't use language to, to, to talk about your experience or a certain group of people that, is goes unexamined for a super long time. And then you, you don't see the contradictions right in your own language Mm because you've just used it for so long. Yeah. And anyway, so that's all interesting to me. And that, and that's kind of been a lot of my, from when I first started writing songs all the way through is like trying to dig up and find new language to talk about things. Well, new things,
0: new, new anything, you know, that atrophy you're talking about is one, one of my favorite Richie quotes is he's like, have you ever noticed that talking to an older person is usually no fun at all because they've, they've, yeah, and, and those are the sorts of things he usually says in his talks that he doesn't say in his books because yeah. it's a little mean, but I know what he's talking about because it's happen. It happens to me. I witnessed it happening to me. Yeah. And one of the things, and I, I have to imagine you were raised similar. We sort of referenced, you referenced it earlier mm-hmm. is when you're raised evangelical. You're sort of building a pipe system, a system of pipes. That's exactly right. Yeah. And you're, and then you reflect that pipe system to other people, yeah. and nothing new could ever come in, which yes. is really everything was seen through that lens. It was the greatest, yeah, deterrent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It was yes. really keeping me from wonder and awe like and woundedness agree. and brokenness. Richie, again, talking about the Sermon on the Mount, he's like, if Jesus says the last shall be first, and you just go, well, Jesus says it, uh, I believe it, um, you're missing the whole thing. The, the the process of doubting it and questioning whether or not you believe it, or if you even know what that means and wrestling with it, potentially for years, that that brokenness is what is what eventually makes these things that don't make sense. He's saying that because yeah. it doesn't make sense. He's saying it like your homeboy to shake yeah. somebody. Yeah. He's saying, right. yeah, well, in, in my kingdom, the last are first. Right. And you're right. you're not just supposed to go, got it, JC. You're supposed yeah. to go, what does that mean? Right. It's supposed right. to haunt you. It's supposed right. to, like, bother you. Right. And kind of chase you around. And because that's- you're, a pro, yeah. you're a pre-programmed system. You're, you're, that's yeah. it. You, you, well, chase you around.
1: Well, and, I mean, yeah, for one thing, people forget we're dealing with a, a Middle Eastern mystical religion, first of all. So it's not this thing that you can construct like a Harley and tweak on the weekends. It's like that's actually not what how Christianity is supposed to work. It's a, mm. it's a it's a mystical religion, mm. and when it comes to things that are both invisible and unknowable, invisible like God, unknowable like the future, I think uncertainty is a pretty good way to go. Yeah, and and yet there is so much certainty, and it's just like so like a lot of to, really toxic certainty. About Ooh. about everything in evangelical Christianity, at least among a lot of the people I grew up with, and the way mm. I grew up with it, which is exactly what you said. It's not really who who did I read somewhere? Uh, Peter Rollins or something. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's a great uh, philosopher, uh, modern philosopher. But it was something like when we talk about God, we're not talking about God. We're talking about we're not naming God. We're naming our our perception of God, obviously. Mm. And and so it's like you. But when that gets when these terms get when the shorthand gets agreed upon by a big group of people, and then they just use it without thinking about it anymore. That's when there was a spark of something real. And then there was like a structure built on top of it. And now we're all just looking at the structure, but we can't see the spark anymore. Mm -hmm. The spark is hidden under the machinery and the pipes that you were talking about. And you build and tweak and work on these pipes and this piping and all this and the way the economy of salvation and all the way the, all this shit works, that becomes the religion
2: Mm-hmm. And honestly,
1: that was kind of my religion for a long time. But, and I didn't realize it. Yep. Um, and so when I kind of hit the skids a little bit in terms of spirituality, I ha- just a handful of years ago, and kind of rethought some of these things, I realized, you know what? Maybe I've just been in love with the machinery of how all this works and in love with the idea that I had a grasp and I could understand it. And how, as we said before, how tight the systematic theology was around it.
0: Well, there's um, no, I was just listening to Eckhart Tolle this morning. Hmm. Um it's the only way I can really read stuff is by listening to it. Cause I have a two year. old Yeah. Yeah. So I remember those in, songs. Put in earbuds and try to get something. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I'm just going to put a little plug in. I find if you start the morning with something like that, the mm. whole day is, is sort of rescued. But if you start yeah. your day with email, you're fucked. You're completely yes. fucked from the beginning. You've gone on, on into the defensive. You haven't yeah. filled anything in. Yeah. Um, so I listened to him and he was talking about, The different, so like Thomas Merton and like Richie and like a lot of people, um, he would say that there's a true self, which is your awareness, and then there's the false self, which is your ego, which is another system of pipes altogether. Yes, Uh, part of your system of pipes that your ego is your religion, and that's maybe the most complicated set of pipes in there. But it's all pipes, Um, and it's all. And it's all made of fake stuff. It's all right. just, it's, it's, pa- it's coming and going. It changes. You and I have both changed dramatically. Yeah. So spirituality yeah. is, as we often say on the show is obsessed or interested in the thing that didn't change, you know, uh, what, right, what, yeah. what, doesn't change, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. that's, what's worth talking about because yes. the thoughts and the beliefs change. But anyway, he was talking about, it was very human and very relatable. Some of the foods that the ego likes, cause the ego wants to exist. And it knows that just like everything, uh, everything is passing and everything is sort of illusory, including yeah. itself. So it, it it seeks out bad tweets. It seeks out criticism. Uh-huh. It wants a fight. It wants a disagreement. It wants an argument. And then he was sort of like, it even wants gossip. He's like, you know, when you know, if I knew something about Pete Rollins, for example, that moment that I do savor where I get to tell you, did you know Pete Rollins is an MMA fighter? Like he doesn't tell anybody. But that moment, <laughs> why does it feel so good? Like you're tickling just the right spot right. where you're like, oh, Derek, did you know? And I love it. And he goes, in that moment, I love that I know something you don't know. That's pretty simple. Yes. But I define yeah. myself then as like special. It's all mm. like a special business. And evangelical Christianity, yeah. in my experience, was a way of being special. Of course I was drawn to it. I was like, you mean if I memorize and regurgitate all of this stuff back, I'll be the most special boy. And not only will I be the most special boy, I'll have the afterlife plan of, of well beyond your wildest expectation. Of course I'm drawn to it, but I could never have an open, honest or true conversation. Mm. And I still, you know, I have these new beliefs and I have to be very careful not to defend them in the same way that I defended those. Does that Absolutely. make you, you agree with uh, 100%
1: that? 100% yes. And it makes me think two things. One is, and this is circling back a little, but it's the way that the group of people who institutionally appear to speak for Jesus in 2021 are are it's, are it's selling certainty and it's such false advertising. That's mm-hmm. not even what the practice is about. Mm-hmm. It's mystical. It's mysterious. All the elements, all the essential elements of the practice are so... but. It's also systematized and organized now. Um, That's one thing. But the other thing that it makes me think of is some language that I have found helpful is that especially my having gone through – and forgive if these sound like buzzwords because they do to me – is like the whole kind of deconstruction, reconstruction, that whole thing. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm deconstructing, I'm reconstructing. It feels like this thing that we're doing. You mean when the it comes universal
0: to- pattern? Richie has a book all about how everything in the universe follows the pattern of birth, death, rebirth. Well, no, Every- would,
1: yes. Yeah. yeah, now that that I believe is, is observable and, and provable, but it, when it comes to like, just how people are dealing with this, the, their experience or, or practice of spirituality, yeah. especially it seems evangelical Christian spirituality, um, there 's this exhausting process that 's going on, and it seems to come in waves that crash on the beach and I think we have some a couple of friends in common i 'm thinking ab- about like Gunger and i 'm thinking about Dave Bazan maybe and folks who have been through this and, and publicly documented it in such an incredibly helpful way for for mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. to have at least some breadcrumb trail to follow and where i 've landed is in order to avoid the exact same thing you were talking about just a second ago with i don't want to become a reverse fundamentalist and now i'm certain about these new things mm. just in the said just as certain i was about the old things and now i'm defending and always becoming an apologist for this new thing where i've landed is and i'm not trying to be provocative to use language like this but i think words like belief are heavy they're heavy unnecessarily and really loaded for people. And where I am is like, you know what, maybe we could avoid all this D and reconstruction. Maybe we need to deconstruct the deconstruction and let's just, and the only way to do that is to stop constructing. Don't (laughs) construct anymore. Hmm. What if rather than believing stuff, beliefs, which again brings conclusion bias with it. It brings a lot of exhaustion and these great patterns of what if we just hypothesized Hmm. and that's kind of, so now I don't have beliefs. I have hypotheses, I have hypotheses about reality that I'm testing in real time all the time. If they continue to hold weight and ring true, let's bring those with us. Yeah. Let's continue to test them. And if they turn out not to work over time, then that's fine. Let's, let's come up with some new hypotheses. Right. And, I'm not, and, I'm, and I'm actually not even closed off to hi- the hypothesis that let's test it of there is a God who is both good and powerful, who made all things, to whom we must be reconciled, who's made a way, blah, 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 blah that's a hypothesis. Let's try it out but it's, 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 and see how it feels. It. Yeah. You see what I mean? But Take it for a walk. Yeah, but, but exactly. But then let's do what, ironically, what Jesus would do. And let's, let's maybe respond with a follow-up question and say, okay, well that all sounds fine, but saved from what? Like, am I, am I bad? Like, what did I do? Are you saying it's, a, so there's a whole, here comes a whole theology to come in to explain that to me. But what if that's, what if those those sources of authority don't really ring true to me or matter to me in the same way they do
2: to you. Can and you explain it in some other way?
0: The psychological guilt. I mean, we have the book, everybody poops because <laughs> out of the womb, we feel shame for what we, <laughs> right. for what we are. My daughter, I don't think she does yet, but later when she learns that you shouldn't fart in front of people and then, and then let's yeah, hope it's a long time. Yeah. Let's, I really do. Sure. Farts are hilarious, but like, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. shame and there's no better hotbed that I've found yes. for shame and self-undulation? Uh, Flagellation. Mm. Flagellation, yes. Uh, whipping yourself. Yes. Um, then the church. And when you have a theologian coming and protesting a little too much about how you are born with original sin and how wicked yeah. you are, I'm like, I'm not convinced you're not still feeling really bad that you shit. I'm not convinced that you feel shame that poop comes out of your body every morning and i don't think you can accept that that's okay i'm talking I'm about like real like deep youngian, big unconscious bro hardwired yeah right that and so i don't need any help feeling yeah. even when you were like you know it's the works of jesus that save us i'm like i i'm with i'm with richie uh yeah god doesn't love us because we're good God loves us because God is good, and mm. that Jesus didn't come to change God's mind about humanity. Jesus came to change humanity's mind mm. about God. And I was like, "That's I a like complete, that. that's a complete reversal. That's my working hypothesis, right?" I now. I like that.
1: That sounds good.
0: I end. He says it'll take your entire lifetime. Three rich, three hard riches coming at you. Yeah. Um, the third one is the whole game is to accept that you were accepted. That's the whole. Game. Yeah. To yeah. say that I poop. And I have lustful thoughts and I have violent thoughts and I have hateful thoughts and I have this and that and that. And you are still, you are accepted. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, but it's like classic consumerism. If you don't, if you don't create the problem, then you can't. You how do can't you sell, sell it? A, you can't sell the solution. Yeah, that's right. And so it's like you have to come in, and that's why the you know we we probably both grew up in a church with that on a wall somewhere of like here's the chasm and here's you and here's God's plan. For that was life. that was in
0: every that was in that was uh,
1: steps to peace with God was the it name of the our track. spiritual laws, and you so you got to get over the chasm, and here comes the bridge of Jesus, and that's how you get across. That's right. And it's like, but if there's no chasm. And if right. there's no brokenness, and there's no, then it's like, well, wait a second, then what are you trying to sell me? And the economy of the evangelical, you know, military complex or whatever starts to fall. But underneath it is that spark that we were talking about that the plumbing and machinery is built on top of. And I do think that sparks there. And that's the challenge of being kind of deconverted or whatever. I don't like to I got to think more about where I'm going than where i am coming from where I'm where I'm being propelled to than where I'm being Well, why know.
0: don't we, I want to get into that Derek. Sorry, were you Sure. No,
1: no, no. Well, I was just saying I uh you know for, for me it's yeah, it's just it, it it's a matter of remaining open to where you've been as a possibility, not just something you've never considered. Yeah. And I think that that's the challenge of saying, okay, I spent 35 years of my life obsessed with maybe a version of this that wasn't True. I, I, have I, you know, I, I've, you know, some, some, some gods deserve atheists. Uh, <laughs> and right. And sometimes you have to kill a, a not real God to find a real one. Maybe there yeah. is one there, but that's what yeah. it's, what it's, you know, it's the death, you know, resurrection. It's the whole thing. It's the cycle, Yeah. but you have, and the, but the point is when you get through it, you have to try to remain open. And this is the hard part to saying, maybe there is a version of something that I am familiar with, but I need a whole new way to look at it and talk about it in language. It, it, but it's maybe there was something true back there. I mean, maybe I need to find my way back into it, but without all the connotation and all the baggage and shit that I'm bringing with. And that's the challenge is to, that's- is to, is to not just say, okay, I'm deconstructed. Now I'm open to anything. I mean, except the thing I was previously, yeah. That's the challenge. No, no, you it, to be truly open, you got to <laughs> be truly open, you know, and that's what's hard. Anyway, there it is.
0: No, that was, I love that. We can wrap it up here. That was already worth it for me. I, I, these conversations are, are, I hate to use the word edifying, that's a triggering word for me. Yeah, Well, it's it like, can be,
2: it's like accountability.
0: But I find these very, um, edifying. Yeah, it, I always think of George Harrison, who was a beautiful mystic in his own uh, Boy, I can't, he seemed to have been a beautiful mystic, yeah. and he said. God, it's this great moment in that Scorsese documentary. It's in the second part. Yes. And he goes, God, isn't uh, just a big old man in the sky? And, you know, he also is. And I was like, that's, that's what I'm going for. I'm going for nowhere to stand. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just like yes. when you're dealing with the ineffable, yeah. whatever yes. gets you there is fine. Uh, yeah. uh, so- and you
1: have to be able to, like, do it in real time. You know, yeah. again, like be careful what you're constructing. Like, just let's just let's get out of the boat. Let's get in the water. You know, let's get out of the thing we've made for ourselves right. to survive, and let's get stop, in the water.
0: Stop talking about it and experience it. Mm-hmm. And that is, I, again, a, a Richie quote. He says his definition of a Christian is someone who's learned to draw upon the the source inside of them. The, mm. the, the divinity inside of them the people yeah. we all are but the people yeah. that become like sensorily aware not yeah. even necessarily intellectually but that is one of the greatest trips of my life my hardship yeah. right now is my baby gets up in the middle of the night and all these things i know it's, it's wonderful and it, and it can be difficult depending on where you were in your sleep cycle when she right up. don't i know it yeah like going pointing in Like I think of Isaiah 40, it's like wings like eagles. Like if you can learn to go in and not draw upon your story or your strength and go like, wait, I'm made of strength. I am. I'm made of truth. Let's not talk about truth. Let's shut the fuck up long enough to experience that you are made of truth because the real estate. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I want to put this to you, man. I'm so I, was watching making a murderer. I'm not going to go on and on. But the legal on. <laughs> I want to get to your story. No, I just no. I'm really interested in what you'll think of this hmm. and what it'll make you think of. But the legal system is like the human mind. It's just like a wood-paneled, robed human mind and you can make anything true which is like, nothing is true. So I think one of our interests in like wrongful convictions is it's the sort of like subconscious self-awareness that we're constantly making wrongful convictions, wrongful judgments in our own life. So we're like, well, let's Brendan and, and Steve Avery, they'll be our scapegoats. And that's the wrongful convi- Instead of wondering what, what snap uh-huh. judgments are you making constantly? That mm-hmm. person's unsafe, that person's unkind, that person's mm-hmm. stupid, that person's ugly. Mm-hmm. Let's just think about what happened to them, what an injustice, even though mm-hmm. we're living in a flawed legal system that is our own brain. Yes. The example I want to give you is whenever the defense – and I'm all for – by the, of course, I'm a, I try to be a compassionate person. I'm all for freeing uh, wrongfully convicted people. That is 100%. not – I'm not even talking about their case. No, right. I'm talking about the methods that we go by. Remind me of the methods that my brain does. So mm. I'm trying to prove that Stephen Avery is innocent. We have take the key that he started the car with and the prosecution found his DNA on the key. And they're like, they found, I'm going to make these up, but one right. milligram of DNA. It's completely made up. So let's try to replicate that. Stephen, hold the key. They give him a new key and they say, hold it for 15 or 45 minutes. And now we'll test it. Well, we only found one tenth of a milligram. Isn't that suspicious? Right. That's because Derek, that supports their case. If an abundance of DNA on the key would have solved it, they'd give him the key and say, like, Stephen, do you ever like lick your fingers? Do you ever like cough? Do you ever sneeze? Right, Do you, you know what I'm saying? Right. You could like, and you'll find an expert that would say, like, yes. no, that it's consistent uh, with the amount of DNA you would see on a key, unless it would help if it was the other way. Right. I'll give you one more example. There was drops of blood on the on the car mm-hmm. mat, and I'm they were obsessed. like, "Way, we I've seen all this. It's okay. incredible. I love it. I yeah. can't wait to put it to you." But tell me if this is not the human mind at work. They're like the def- the prosecution said they found dried blood on the, on the, on the carpet. And then they drip blood on the, on the real blood right. on the same carpet and it gets sucked in. And they go, how could there be dry blood? It gets absorbed immediately. And I'm like, unless Derek. Unless dried blood helped their case. If they were trying to right. prove that the blood would dry, they'd be like, let's leave it for four weeks. Bring in some heating lamps. Oh, yes. Let's glow on it. Like they've made it. Yeah, we've replicated it. And then a, an expert would go, and then that's what happened. It dried over to There's always an expert in my right. mind to tell me, yes, that is consistent oh. with an asshole. You should cut that person out of your life. It's like a breakup. Yeah. She's a bitch. I bring in an expert, I tell him I'm trying to prove that she's a bitch, and he goes, yes, the way she responded to that birthday gift that you thought was so thoughtful is consistent with a bitch. I go, will you testify? But nobody's actually interested in the truth, because if we were, the defense would be saying, well, maybe it was left, maybe he licked his finger and then touched the key. (laughs) Is it possible that he sneezed? Is it possible that he sneezed? Nobody's asking know, these questions. And I'm not trying know, to speak filthy, by the way. That's my point. Is yeah. you, you, This is what Jesus, I think, is saying when he says new wineskins. We need a completely new way of looking at the world. Because right. we're currently just yeah. a legal team out for our own self-interest, Yeah, reverse engineering any scenario where what we want to be true could be yes. true. I do want to say again here, I'm Love all it. for proving people innocent that are innocent. So please don't misunderstand. A thousand percent. I'm just saying...
1: It's analogous to the thing you're saying. And, and what's interesting is I don't even know if you meant for it to go this far. And I, may, I think you did. But what's interesting about all that, that conclusion bias and that we're constantly looking, I, I, I feel like maybe, and I'm, again, it's my, one of my hypotheses that I'm testing, but that maybe there's no fixed objective meaning to anything. Maybe all meaning is assigned. We only ever assign meaning to anything. That's all anyone's doing literally to anything. But the point is we're constantly assigning meaning to the stuff that lines up with our conclusion bias where the case that we are making exactly like what you said.
0: We're all, that's what we're looking for. We're all that's, looking ex- Derek, that's exactly what I'm saying. Strip it down to just interpretation of reality. You go, I am in a park. That is a tree. I am in Illinois. That is just so you don't shit your pants at the impossible <laughs> conundrum that you are currently swimming in and being yeah. swam through. That's too much so we go, I'm in Illinois, I'm in a park. Of course we can't get a legal case clean and dry. We can't walk through the park
1: clean and dry. No, because we're constantly proving to ourselves the thing that we believe, our presumptions about what we think is happening, we're looking maniacally for evidence of that being true. But what I was curious if you were thinking is that the thing you were saying about like, oh, she's a bitch and this is a – and that we also constantly do that with ourselves – like we are constantly judging ourselves in that same way, and, mm-hmm. and you know, like, like you're a piece of shit. You 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 can't be trusted. You're you're a and that's kind of the battle we're doing. And I, I and what's hard for me and I feel like I feel like I have to pause and say, like I'm not meaning if, if I own my side of the street of kind of. Shitting all over the the evangelical Christian church. I I don't mean for that at all because it's a group of people who i identify very strongly with and who I lived with as my family and still consider my family, even though I don't identify as a believer necessarily, yeah. but complicated, but um <laughs> for so many years. <laughs> Get <to> and, it. <laughs> and and it's still the shorthand that I use to talk about everything. They're my favorite metaphors or Bible mean you know, that's the thing. Eric, I'm and right there
0: like, with you. I said to Val so I don't mean, right.
1: Yeah. yeah. So I don't mean to come down hard on it. It's just that it's a lot of great anger and passion comes from great love. It's anchored in great love. My, my love for it goes as equally deep as my frustration when they say things like, lean not on your own understanding. It's like, well, you're saying I can't trust my body. I can't trust my gut. Well, that doesn't make any sense. That seems like the opposite of what I should be. I should be learning to trust my, my gut and trust myself. And all the things you were saying before, like I'm so down with all that, but it just it seems like the 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 uh, the veneer and the, pi- the, the 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 machinery of it is what's being sold. It's like what again, what uh, Peter Rollins. It's like where what's being sold to people or what's being advertised is the version of it that here in 2021, the the majority of people have kind of agreed to the shorthand that we've agreed to the language that we like. Um, that we've not really taken a hard look at in a long time or taken an audit of. This is the thing. We're selling you these words. If you like these words, come with us. If you don't like these words, then fuck off.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: and like in Jesus' name. <laughs> and so it's like, that's what's complicated about it. Because then if you start coming in and even offering, like, like the Rich Mullig example I gave you earlier, you start coming in and even questioning the language and you start getting evangelized. Yeah. And but so that's the thing that's complicated about it for me. Like it's really hard. It's a hard from. Maybe I'll just own it and say for me, when I was practicing or trying to practice uh, Christianity, it was really hard to stay in a posture of coming into new information because, yes. because, there are, because there are these huge non-negotiables that I can't doubt or else I'm literally deconstructing the boat that I'm in on the raging sea. Yeah, And and I'm in every way incentivized to believe that this boat can hold me as long as I am in it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. so it's like, I can't call it, the boat into question for God's sake. Cause then I'm under the water in the ocean, a thousand feet deep. Mm. But it's like, so it's really hard to say, Oh wow. But here's my, my pal who gave me this story of this thing he's been through and this experience of spirituality and, and had this amazing guided trip that he went on and something else that happened. And my other friend who, We got this crazy, intense, awesome tarot reading that she wants to tell me about. And I want to hold all that and not just immediately come up with all my language of defense about, okay, well, but that in my systematic plinko ball and it hits all my systematic theology. And here's my answer for it. Why that's not true. Why you're not right. I want to be able to listen to all this and hold it together and say, you know what? This could all be part of it. Like this could all mean something. And it was hard for me during my years of practice of Christianity to do that. I'm owning that fault. I'm not saying it's Christianity's fault. I could have just been practicing it really poorly. Well, that's it what just seemed thinking. to be a pattern. It's yeah. easier
0: to say when I was an evangelical, I can't speak for them. I don't even know. In my book, I would sometimes yeah. guess what the other person was thinking. And I was like, "This." what I should have written was like, this could be completely wrong. But it sure right. didn't seem like he was judging me for being a comedian or whatever. Well,
1: but, and you were around a lot of people who seemed to have a shared experience. And right. that's part of the anecdote you're bringing in with you when you tell stories like that. And me right. too. Right. So anyways. No, I, I, I love that was it. That all just to try to say I'm not trying to in any way throw any body or body under any bus. Mm. Uh, it, it, I, I take full responsibility that it could have been my perspective, my belief, my practice of a thing that was wrong with it and not the thing itself. I yeah. want to be open to coming back to it and finding the truth and the beauty in it if it's there. And if it's not, I need it out of my way.
0: You know, know. your boat thing made me think of when Jesus walks on water in the the story. (laughs) And and I'm like, by the way, isn't it funny, dude? Somebody tells me about like a Buddhist monk living in the woods and he walked on water. And I'm like, really? And like, I went through a a hard period where it'd have to be like the mythology says. Now I I just try to have some humility and be like, I don't know. I'm open to it, but I have no idea. Yeah, Um, some uncertainty about it. Exactly, exactly, and just go like, look, my pipes are broken. I don't know. Yeah. But in the holding of the uncertainty might be the whole practice. That's my that point. Might be the whole thing. Richie's saying when Jesus yeah. says the first shall be last, you can't just go got it. You're supposed to let it fuck you up. <laughs> it's supposed to fuck you up. But but in real
1: time, always like in, it, it's like a thing. It's it's, when it's like else, Derek- it's a a perpetually auto turning knife and it's supposed to be that way.
0: That's right. It's not just supposed to be an easy answer.
1: It's the dealing with the pain and the uncertainty is the practice and the journey, not the settling and the cleaning and the putting it down.
0: But leaving a boat, Jesus leaving a boat and walking on water. I didn't think about it, but yeah. Is there a better metaphor for what he was about? Because I'm always struck. You said, as Jesus would say, Jesus was always throwing monkey wrenches in his own faith. And that's yeah. sort of what he did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and His whole thing was, you've heard it say, but I say unto you. Yeah. And every time he
1: said that, it was like, this is literally the truth about how reality works and your government and your moral practice and Papa the death Jeff. penalty yeah. and everything. But I'm saying it's actually more like this, which is yeah. to say no ground for anybody to stand on anywhere.
0: Right. Right. And how
1: fascinating that was.
0: I think that's what's powerful about this. One of the things you're talking about, phrases that we can use that remind us to be humble. And I don't think you could find an episode of this podcast where I don't say to somebody, we're floating Mm -hmm. in infinity. And that's one of the really helpful ones Uh, to remember that you and I right now are suspended in space. And that's, that's fucking incredible. (laughs) Well, you know, what's
1: crazy is even like one of my kids said this, I've got an almost 12 and a 13 year old uh, girl and boy. And my son said to me, and it's like one of the, it's exactly what you said, but it's a, it's a like, let's, I'll, I'll get to, I'm spinning infinity, but let me start with something. uh, Let me start small to get my brain there. And my, my, we're talking about space and like, you know, space out there. And he was like, well, you know, we're in space right now. Like we're, we're in
0: space. Yeah. You don't have He's to like, go to space. We're in space.
1: No, no, no. Yeah. We, we don't go to space. And, and I don't know why
0: for me and that You've never not there. been in space. I used to have <laughs> a bit about that. Not- you've, ne- you've never been inside either. Like inside is an illusion. You've never been inside. Yeah. The whole There's never a point is- at which
1: you have not been in space. <laughs> you've You're been- not going to space someday. I hope to go to, man, I, it would be amazing bucket list. I want to go to space. Yeah. It's like- yeah. Shit, bro, get up earlier tomorrow because you got some dreaming to do because you've been doing that literally since you've been in your mother's womb.
0: It's a rocket ship. Um, anyway, but
1: it, but it was, it was like, a, oh, wow. Well, that's some great force perspective. You're totally right. He also told me maybe that same day, my kid is, you know, either like every kid his age or a genius, mm-hmm. uh, but he also said, you know, like the thing about how the universe is like uh uh, expanding, but ma- but like the, the volume of it stays the same. It's like, things are just kind of going from here to there, but it's not really, there's not more of anything. It's the same amount of kind of everything, but there's this, whatever. And again, I wish he was here and he could come over and explain this <laughs> to both of us, but it was like this amazing. I was like, wait a second. You mean there's like not more of stuff. So when it's expanding, it's just, it's, it's going over there, but that means it's coming away. If it's contracting somewhere. And he was like, Oh yeah. 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 There's like, it's, there's no, uh the volume of it is fixed. And I was like, damn, bro, like I'm 46 and you're like 13. And yeah. are you going to grow up with that perspective? It's like, I didn't, the, the, it's like, again, language being helpful for force perspective to keep us from getting lazy with language and believing things right. that are not helpful. That's I, kind of-
0: I was just thinking about, there was a time, it was on a bunch of podcasts and I enjoyed the podcast. Some of them were NPR and whatnot, talking mm-hmm. about how every human beings are made of stardust. It was sort of like a wonder inducing thought was that you're made of an exploding star. Yeah, yeah. Right. And I was like, great. Um, But the star is made of something. Like, let's (laughs) let's make it even more base. Like, you can trip out that you're made of a star, but the star is made of something. What's it made of? Right. Like, what is anything made of? And to your point, to your son's point, there's one fixed point of mass that erupted in the Big Bang, and there's yeah. no more of it. Which means I'm yeah. also made of dinosaur molecules. It's also yeah. I'm made of uh, Napoleon the Great's molecules potentially. It's all just moving around. It's all just television stuff. Fascinating. Static, yeah. Yeah. And you're talking about assigning meaning. So if we could just for a moment consider when you're debating with your fundamentalist mother-in-law. That's yes. a fake example. My mother-in-law is a beautiful person. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you were having a debate, if if both people – both people would do well to remember that they are television static or yeah. they are hundreds of billions of points of energy yeah. that we have drawn perimeters around, yeah. identified as those perimeters. But if you yeah. could just that – would, that would change any – the consciousness of any discussion. Yeah. Because – It would humiliate you. It would humble you to say – In the strict sense of that word, that's exactly what it would do. I always use humiliate in the beautiful way.
1: Fantastic.
0: You're talking about humiliation saying – and this is such a necessary humiliation. Mm -hmm. I believed for so long – I remember a friend of mine telling me he and his partner had had an abortion. Talk about a Plinko chip. I just Mm -hmm. went down the – okay, well, love the sinner, hate the sin. How about – hate the sin i mean that's kind of a pretty hard judgment i also be loving them but i'm also like i hate what you're about it's like kind of hard but But it's it's also like like, like, imagine
1: if we were reading the transcript of that conversation all the asterisks going from the word sin down to a definition and then from hate down to a definition it's like does hate mean i detach myself does hate mean i can stay in the room does hate mean i don't
2: speak to them and what what does love mean mean?
1: what does love mean i can't find every word in the sentence or stop talking about it
0: Define every word in that sentence, you swarm of molecules. Yes, I yes. fear you and I defy you. Yeah. The molecules in that star that exploded that became you, who yeah. cares? It's all the same stuff. Yeah. And you're yeah. talking about hating a concept of Such those. It's, 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 it's too far an, out it's to English me. words that are so narrow and so – it mean, changed how we think. As soon as you give me the word sin, now I'm going to be looking for... Now I'm looking for DNA on a key. Don't yes, you see? Yes, You told me right. that there was sin and you mm-hmm. told me that we needed to be saved and yeah. now I'm going to yeah. meet with an expert that says there wouldn't be that much DNA on the key. Right in here. That's exactly right. right. And they're lined up. And they're they sleep. Up. And the church, uh, this was my experience, gave me my panel of experts up in my brain. Oh, yeah. And I would say... This seems uh, Mm. bad. 9 11 happens. Well, this is in, this is a, I remember we poo poo people that are like, oh, Katrina happened. But look, uh, New Orleans, it's such a debaucherous place. We look down on them and we shame them. But I think it's because there's a part of us that is making those sort of easy Mm -hmm. judgments constantly going like, Mm -hmm. well, that happened because they're kind of a shitty person Mm -hmm. or whatever. You know what I mean? It's a scapegoat. I go, at least I'm not Fred (laughs) Phelps. At least I'm not saying, by the way, overlooking completely that the gay quarter – uh, was completely untouched, or not untouched, but not yeah, yeah, right, right?
1: No, that, those are the. We don't need to get mixed up in the details. No, uh, no, says the pastor.
0: I mean, I was on a walk, and I there's a. He seems mentally different. I, I can't diagnose him, but there's a guy I see on my walk sometimes, and he he said, "God loves you," and mm-hmm. I. He doesn't know me. He's saying this to anybody, and I yeah. go, "God loves you too," yeah. and he goes, "That's why we don't get COVID," and I was like, <laughs> "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> had me, had me. But yeah. well, you know what, dude? That's Why did that bother me? Because yeah. I subscribe to those feelings all the time. Sure. I lived the sure, sure, lifetime sure. of God loves me. And that's why well, when bad things happen, that fell apart. Yeah. Well, and because occasionally those rules work. Like in any random
1: thing we can, anything we're testing at any time.
0: It's I like in the expert that says you were a good boy and that's why Judd Apatow liked you and that's why they gave you a show. You know what I mean? <laughs> right? I have an expert. Being a good boy is a good thing. Even scientists that will say getting the the tribe to like you is beneficial. Like there's no shortage. I'll find – I'll scour the universe to find the expert that agrees with me. And and that's why talking to old people is a drag because they have every seat on their council filled. And what Jesus is saying, I think – I was sorry to say this about new wineskins – Means (laughs) Means yeah. <laughs> tear the whole thing down. That's what is right. saying when he says the world is on fire. Um, Humiliate yourself, surrender, yeah. Yeah. and do the better. What Mary did, this is again Richie, just say, Yes, I don't understand, but yes. I don't understand, but okay. I don't yeah. understand, but how. That's yeah. all she said. And that's why and it's, and it's back to failure. It's back to like again, like why. Oh, you think getting pregnant at that time without a husband was a a failure? You're goddamn right. Do you think growing up as a boy (laughs) without a father was a failure? Yes. Look at this. Look at Jesus getting baptized. This wasn't a guy whose agenda was to prove to you that he was perfect. Or that the plan was to be perfect. Or that you <clears throat> were yeah. supposed to be perfect. This was a yeah. guy going like, oh, okay, I'm here and I'm dancing. It's the most
1: <laughs> imperfect, imperfect circumstance and the most imperfect moment in the most unlikely part of the world. It's like all those things lined up. And, and actually like, the whole story, the Old Testament story, is nothing but those stories. Yeah. It's one fuck up after the other as the hero. Yeah, And that's kind of – it's like it's almost designed to make sure you don't mistake these
0: people for heroes. That's right. And, um, that's you know, right. That's yeah. right. I love that. Okay. What did I did we could, I? Cut we you? could do this. We could do this all all day. I'm afraid because anyway, <laughs> it's all I really want to do. Yeah. Some some forced some willed humiliation. I remember yeah. I was talking to Krishnadas, and Krishnadas is a musician mm. who uh, was with Ram Das in India, who met Maharaji. I won't tell the whole story, yeah, but yeah. the point is, is this is a guy who's who's pretty dyed in the wool when it comes to who his guru is. And what he's about, what his practice is. Yeah. He's a bhakti. That means he he's in love with his guru, he's in love with the universe, and that's how he experiences truth. Mm. And I was like, I watched this documentary about a guy who interviewed people who were in cults, and he would deprogram them. Mm. And one of the things that he would say is, We're not all one. You think we're all one? Uh that's ridiculous. Like if I poke you, you feel that. That's you. You're over there, I'm over here. And I and I said to KD, I said, what would you do if if a deprogrammer said that to you? Your guru wasn't the universe. He was a man. You're not the same as me. You're over there. And he'd say, he said, okay. <laughs> and I was like, that's some next level shit. I never <laughs> thought of just going, well, uh, the Bible contradicts itself and Jesus was just a man and he's not even referenced in other historical documents and just going, Okay. He's not a man in the sky, no. but also he is. But also he is. And Jesus yeah. is the one and only son of God, and so am I, and so are you. Right. These, are, these are other wonderful paradoxes.
1: Because if, the, if these phrases made sense, they wouldn't, they, it wouldn't add up to mystical religious practice. That's right. It would be like, oh,
0: these are my rules, and this is the construction. This it's is how it works. They're
1: yeah.
0: not ideas. They're relationships. They're, yeah. they're things that are supposed to feel different at different times. So with, That's 100% right. With yeah. That, why don't you tell me – I didn't listen to Camden's Call. Yeah. I knew about Camden's Call. Yeah. Um, tell me about how you grew up. Start anywhere you want. I'm interested in sure. Texas. Christian University is interesting to me. Yeah. I'm yeah. interested in starting a Christian band, what it means to be in a Christian band, what it meant yeah. to be in a Christian band. All yeah. that's Very interesting.
1: Yeah. Well, so I have always lived in the South. I started in uh, Memphis, Tennessee. I live in Nashville now, so I'm not too far from – from there, but, um, and I, uh, have always played music. That's always been, you know, I, I've, um, my, my, the way my story goes is I'm not good at hardly anything. I'm like five, six, I'm uncoordinated. I was terrible in school. I've, ne- I've been unsuccessful in relationships. You know, my whole adolescence was a nightmare. I was, everything about my life was frustrating. And then I found music and I found it really young. And that was a gift. Why was it um, a nightmare?
0: To- what, what flavor nightmare was it?
1: Well, just like everything that was being measured and valued in the first half of my life I was terrible at. So it's like, do you have a girlfriend? How are you doing in school? How far I can you kick the soccer ball? <laughs> and I and and how tall are you? And you know, I I was terrible, awful, uh awkward about all that stuff. But I found music and I found it early. And so that became like my so my whole thing is I'm good at hardly anything but the few things I'm good at I'm super fucking good at. And so I've managed <laughs> to be able to focus on those few things. And that's my whole life is obviously the, the slow working my way down to the tip of the spear, you know, to get to spend as much of my time as possible, only doing things that I feel like I'm uniquely good at and can bring value, you know, into situations that I can get into. And, And so the point is when I was a kid, I found music, I found it early single digits, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there. And then just focused on that to the detriment of everything else. And so just went ahead and kept all those narratives going, failed like out of school and you know, just was terrible and continued to be at the things that didn't seem to matter to was me in life. college? What I found. failed out of college? I didn't even go to college. Oh. Slow down. De- yeah, yeah, Maybe slow down over Texas, there. Texas oh, well, okay. Know. Well, no, okay. So I was, <laughs> I didn't go to college. <laughs> I was, I, I, I was college, I was uh, in proximity to a college. Uh, my you mean
0: geographically?
1: physically yes yes. um yes geographically so what happened was um played in bands all through high school wound up in uh it's it so cademan was it was this monk like seventh or eighth century monk or whatever and uh and he was like one of the first translators of the bible from latin to english he did it through songs that was the cute story we all learned in college i didn't because i didn't go to college let me just (laughs) clarify that one more time but all my friends were learning that so we started this band and it was started in Texas. I moved to Texas. My parents. We moved to Texas when I was in high school, and a buddy of mine from high school and a friend from his, uh, his from college um, started a band. And a month later, they needed a guitar player, and that was me. They we all met each other, um, and th- my my buddy who was the other guitar player and singer. I sang and played guitar and wrote songs for that for that band, um, Cademan's Skull. So the other guy who played in that band, other singer, his dad was the pastor, mega church pastor, second Baptist church, Houston, uh, Ed Young, a huge, huge, uh, you know, president of the Southern Baptist convention for many years, like a Ooh. big figure in that deal. I didn't grow up with that. I grew up in the church and stuff. Uh, my parents, you know, I was in the South of course, but, um, he was at TCU, Texas Christian university. That's kind of where our band got started. So I'm kind of moved there to uh, Fort Worth, Texas. And that was kind of where the band I was a little wandering and then moved there and we started the band and toured Texas colleges for a bunch of years. And that mm-hmm. was in the early nineties. And then we got signed to a record deal and, um, I an imprint I of,
0: I just saw you play.
1: Well, so, so it was, we were, you got to think. So it's like early nineties. This was before the great disruption that happened in our business where everything went digital and everything got turned upside down. and Everybody lost their jobs and, you know, the whole piracy or whatever that was. Um, that was just before all that happened. Mm. So it was kind of the old school model where you do have to get discovered. The only people who are like making it are the people who meet somebody or get, dis- you know, a record deal or whatever. And we were just kind of busy playing in colleges. We were just, we, that's who we were. We were kind of, uh, it was an entrepreneurial spirit because we were like, here's what we need and can't find. So let's make it. And we were looking as young Christians for people, uh, telling our experience of the world to us on the radio. And we weren't hearing any of that. Uh, It was a lot of like adult contemporary style music and a lot of high school style music and nothing for us in the middle. And so we were like, well, we wanted to be like the Indigo guys, you know, like we wanted to like write great songs and sing them and perform them with passion. And you know, that, that energy thing, that's what we were interested in. And so that's what we were writing, heady, you know, like lyrically and and kind of in big folk music or whatever. Is it faith so, at this point? Is it-, it? We were all faith. We were all exploring Christianity, but we weren't really trying to make Christian music. I've often thought that like the word Christian wouldn't apply to anything other than a human being is a marketing term, and it's not that it's not helpful. It is helpful. Marketing terms are super helpful. They're little flags on things that we can find our way to to consume in culture. Fantastic. Mm. But it's when you start putting the rubber stamp of redeemed, saved you know true beautiful on things like music is when you get in trouble mm. i didn't really grow up too much with christian music or whatever um we didn't we weren't really aspiring to make that um we were just trying to represent our journeys and our stories and what we were experiencing in music that we thought sounded cool we just were looking for we wanted to make the music that we couldn't find mm-hmm. um so that's what we were doing and we were kind of touring all over texas it's huge you can you can tour all year there and never even hit the edge of the state mm. and, um, a ton of colleges, all our friends were in college. I should have been in college. So they were setting us up with gigs, like in their little basements of the f- sorority and fraternity houses or whatever it was. So we did that for three or four years and actually had a whole indie kind of thing that we did. And it was before it, it was when we were still sending like shit out in the mail, the literal mail into people's mailboxes, like sending postcards. And that was our mail list, you know, and, um, just kind of building that thing slow and, and kind of, it was in a season of life where we were able to do that. And then we got kind of discovered because uh, the son of a big Christian music singer went to an Oklahoma college and saw our show, bought our indie record, gave it to his dad. His dad gave it to the the record label. Hmm. And then we got a call from Nashville is basically kind of how that went. Right, okay. and, um, so Warner Alliance was the name of the it was a Warner Brothers imprint. They kind of met with us and we signed a deal with them. And that's kind of where we kind of pivoted and, that was our kind of break. And and we actually had a great run. The, the, the only problem was that, that, and I'm sure you've experienced this a ton, because you're such a complex thinker and you're such a, and yet somebody has the unenviable job of taking whatever you produce and trying to figure out who is it for and how do I make sure they hear about it? That's marketing, right? How do I put a narrative around this thing to make sure people buy it or consume it or whatever? Yeah. So their job was to do that. And they were like, oh, but these guys were a bunch of these folks grew up Christian. Christian dad's a pastor, fantastic Christian band. And so that's where we got marketed. And unfortunately, I don't know if that's maybe fortunately, but like we had a lot of success with that. Wound up on Christian radio, wound up kind of in the Christian zeitgeist, um, you know. And so the bigger bands than us at that time were guys like Jars of Clay and Third Day And, you know, a lot of those, we were on a label with all those, all those same bands Mm. and, um, and did really well at that for 10 years, you know, and the world changed dramatically during those 10 years in terms of the way that people consume music. And that's a whole thing. Did, Um, with
0: signing a Christian label and being with jars of clay and third day and stuff, this is a very standard question. Yeah. Forgive me. But was the tour, did you feel burdened by that label? Now you're touring And now you picking up a girl after the show is different from Eddie Vedder picking up a girl after a show.
2: (laughs)
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Uh, And much harder for me, obviously, uh, (laughs) than Eddie Vedder. But here's the thing is like we remained because we had those three or four years as an indie thing, doing it our way, coming in with that stupid, young, entitled arrogance to presume that you're not going to change how we're doing. You're going to get on board with it. We we're already doing it because we were we were already doing what we wanted to be doing if you want to come and help us fantastic but we were very like resistant to the whole idea of like nashville you know coming in to change our thing or change our values about these entitled young idealists about like nah, we want to make this music for us and so we weren't really feeling it we stayed down in the college circuit and
0: we did like we we our hey, that, that worked <laughs> It, I was you know waiting for you to be like, because remember in Wayne's world, uh, yes. uh, Chris Walken, Christopher Walken yeah, comes Chris. in and like, he's my friend. Um, yeah. He he sits down and, and like teaches, like it's so easy to dangle the carrot of like, all I have to say is I know you yeah. guys are doing your thing, but if you skew it just a little bit this way, yeah. you'll make $10 million. Yeah. And,
1: well, yeah. So it, initially it didn't affect us because we stayed down in our, and our kind of groove so and, and we, yeah, we, we, we didn't act every year. We, I mean, we played college gigs. I mean, that's what, that was our thing. We were super happy because that's where like people our age had the energy and the time to think about this crap. Mm. Um, you know, that we were wanting to exploring and learning for the first time about like God and the universe. And we were like, and that we, we were happy there. And that was us. We were, we were playing for us, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that was college you know, colleges and, and it worked for a while, And, but you know, the two things that can really uh, ruin an artist are success and failure. Um, And especially in that sequence. And so like we had some real success doing it our way and then it kind of waned a little. And then we just were like savvy enough at that point to have figured out what worked about that. And then it's like, that's, that's kind of the other side of the slope. And that's, that's, you know, usually when you kind of, you kind of start the egg timer at that point, because it's like, once you figure out what worked, you're like, oh, well, that's cool, man. That's just information. We'll just take the information about it. That's what they liked about that. I mean, but then you can't help. The label really didn't put any pressure on us. It's like you you kind of sabotage yourself.
0: You can't help point. but now mimic yourself.
1: You can't help but try to recreate a thing that was organic 18 minutes ago. You know, you just can't help but do it. And and that worked for a little bit. But honestly, near the end of 10 years with that band, which is, God knows, more than twice what most people get in a band, you yeah, know, right. Um uh, uh, I started to kind of realize, you know what, we've built a thing and there's expectations around a thing and there's people's livings connected to a thing. And I have, I'm more risk tolerant than the rest of my friends. And I think as a songwriter, there's just things I want to explore. You don't spend 10 years touring in and out of a lot of churches and big Christian festivals to not have books full of, of, Content that you can't wait to write about, but you're kind of gnawing on the hand that's feeding you the whole time. Mm. And I couldn't do that inside of the band, and so I started to kind of write songs that were not in an effort to launch a solo career. God knows, but songs that they were like, "Wow, that's great," and you can never ever play that on
0: stage. Any of our shows, really? like, well, You know what? Was I was like, example? guys, I know. What? Well, give me a area yeah. that you were singing about or writing about. Yes.
1: Yep. So here's an example. So there was a book that you might've heard of cause it was really big and this would have been l- Lord knows 20 years ago, but I by a guy, <laughs> well, okay. So, by the way, you should have Josh Harris on here because Is he's he a, a fascinating who? character. Really? He wrote that book and he's fully de whatevered and has fascinating perspective on all this, really? his former life as a, the guy who wrote, I kiss dating goodbye. You should talk to Josh, man. Really? But anyways, Um, no, so it was this book called the prayer of Jabez. Okay. So the prayer of Jabez was this little hardback book. It looks like it goes on a coffee table written by a guy named Bruce Wilkinson, great Bible teacher. Uh, he'd written all these great commentaries and stuff, but this little book was about this one uh, uh, random prayer from the old Testament, super obscure character. We don't know much about, we don't really know much other than this one line of this prayer. He prayed about expanding his territory and giving him, and we don't really know what God did. We don't know how he answered. We don't know if he prayed it more than one time. We don't know much, but Bruce found it and he thought, you know, I'm going to make a little thing out of this. So he wrote a book called Prayer Jabez, and it was like a thing where if you pray this prayer every day for 30 days, it's the prayer that God can't uh, not answer, that God must answer. That's, that's what was on the back of the book. And it was like a take the Jabez challenge and go pray this prayer every day for 30 days. And God's going to expand your territory and give you riches and give you wealth. And he would say – Prosperity gospel. Yes. But it was being done. Like the Trojan horse was beautiful. Like it was being done. (laughs) I mean it really was. I mean he built
0: it so beautifully. And he was
1: an unlikely character to come up with this because he'd been a trustworthy guy.
0: It reminds me me of like the Bible code. There was like a real hype to be like can we crack the Bible's magic (laughs) – to work for us. And they just squeeze it like an orange.
2: Yeah.
1: And so anyway, so he wrote this book. And I don't even think he probably thought. Maybe he just had to hit, hit a quota or something. I don't know. But he, he turned it in and it actually just went – he sold like 10 million copies of it. It just yeah. went huge. And so then as, as I'm sure you understand, there were just – merch lines flying every direction, the, the Jabez devotional Bible and the prayer Jabez.
0: I love things, things like that. We're talking yeah. about one passage in the old Testament. It gets Bro, a whole
1: Bible. Go read it. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Yeah. And, but he, and he would do this thing where, and so, so here's, I, that's all context. So here's what happened. So my band was at one of these things it was called the, uh, the CBA. It was in Atlanta, Georgia, the Christian Booksellers association. It's where you go. If you're a person who makes things that's getting sold into that World, you go there and you make your case, and you play your showcase, and you do your thing. Mm. Um, so we were there to do that, and we had a great spot. It was like all of the Christian uh, retail buyers for the nation were in a ballroom. These are the people who put everything on every shelf.
0: It's snack a Christian bookstore.
1: That's one hundred percent correct. Yeah, for the retail, so they were all there. And it's also authors too, though. So, and we had this great spot because because Bruce Wilkinson j Jabez was the biggest shit in the world right then. It was so big. It was so big. Like these stores were doubling their revenue just with all the end caps at the front of the store with all the Jabez goods, like all the Jabez branded stuff, because the book was so
0: big. He expanded his territory.
1: Bro, well, ironically, <laughs> it, it, it's one of those. well, It works, but just for me. Yeah, that's right. It, that's right. But it only works for me. It only yeah. works once. But it works. <laughs> anyways, so, um, uh, it, it works under very narrow conditions. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so we were the opening slot, and he was the headliner. Um, or you know what? No, no, no. I'm sorry. He was he ha- he was the headliner. We were the after party. That's what it was. So we were in this big ballroom. Some other bands had played. And, and and Bruce Wilkinson was going to speak. And this was a huge deal because he's the, he's the biggest thing in the world right then to these people. So he gets up and I'm thinking, okay, I don't want to be one of those people like that. We mentioned jars of clay. They're super good pals of mine. They, we've been friends for 20 years and those guys have gone through seasons in their career where they got really big. Like they had that breakout stuff that happened with their music in the nineties and they were opening for staying and like they broke out of the universe for a minute. Yeah. Um, and they've always been awesome and they, they're still awesome. But, uh, the point is everybody piled on those guys when they got big because it was like, oh, something must be up. You know, like it, it's a, it was like sell out. That's not even a thing anymore. They're, that's not even a thing you can do anymore. Right. Any, you get successful in anywhere, doing anything. Everybody's just texting you, figure out how you do it. Like that, that, it's right. not... But in but anyways, the nineties,
0: we were mad or we were oh supposed to be mad that Green Day oh, went to Geffen and I was Suspicious.
1: Like, exactly. So anyways, I was like, I want to walk in with an open mind. And I was like, I want to hear what he has to say. Maybe this isn't, I've, I've just heard stuff about the book. You know, I haven't read this. I want to hear what he has to say. So he gets up and for two straight hours, just tickles the ears of all these Christian retail buyers. And they're like, listen, everybody, I want to give you the the Jabez challenge. For 30 days, you pray it. And this time next year, you're going to come back in here. I mean, firsthand, I literally watched it come out of his mouth.
2: Mm. You're
1: going to come back in here, and I I cannot wait to hear your stories of how your Christian bookstore has doubled in revenue, doubled in size. You're going to be buying the store next door. It's the prayer that God must answer. He's going to expand your territory. I cannot wait. And who here, it was like a Billy Graham crusade. Who here wants to make a commitment to pray this prayer every day? I want you to come up to the front. Come up to the front right now. Stand up and do it. And I, and I was thinking finally some justice because all these people, they, they, they stock Bibles onto shelves and, bo- and surely they're going to see through this and the, here comes our justice. And I swear to God, the whole place just comes up and tears mm. arm in arm like a, you know, come up to the front. He prays over them. Let them be faithful to pray the thing every day and the success stories and all the abundance. And then they all sit down and then we have to get up. <laughs> and 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 i swear to god the the, the, the rest of the band because i've always been a little bit of a i'm excitable i mean is that is is that a secret at this point uh an hour ten minutes in and do you know so, your enneagram number i'm a raging five. Oh, like gungies i'm i'm obsessed with information i i ha- prepare around four corners all the time oh wow um anyways So, but I'm excitable. I've got this energy thing.
0: Yeah. I think um, Miss Agnose is a seven. I thought for sure you were a seven.
1: Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) Um, And so anyways, so they're all looking at me because I'm the one who would say something like, and the head of the label is there because this is a big moment for our band. And they're all looking at me, and he's just sweating bullets looking at me, yeah, and I'm and, and, and I'm looking like I'm at like the starting block of the fucking Olympics. Like I'm like gonna I'm Let's gonna sprint up there and like grab the mic. You know? see, this and, is uh, your anyway. five. This is your five. I'm glad I know you're going yeah, up. Yeah. to challenge. Oh boy, and I can't wait to be up there. <laughs> and so they're all looking at me and just looking at me and like, dude, seriously, another time, not not right now. And so we go up there, and I do try to hold my tongue a little, and all I said, I just I was like, listen, you guys, I don't. That's first I'm hearing of some of that. I can't speak to it. Um, I, you know, and I, I don't know, like, um, you know, I, I don't know what that was all about in terms of what's biblical and what's not and what's true and what's not. But here's a song I, I do, you know, like all we can do is tell you our version of a thing. And so here's these songs. But what happened was, so we got through that night, but that night I went back to my hotel room and I wrote a song that's called Wedding Dress. And that song is not about Bruce Wilkinson and it's not about the prayer of Jabez. Ultimately it's a song about me. And, and, but, but what it did is it was calling out just how much we want to hear that and how much, how easily we will believe that. Mm. And, um, the chorus of it is, uh, I'm a whore. I do confess, but I put you on like a wedding dress and I run down the aisle. Um, and, and it, and again, it's a song about me. It's a song about all the ways I do that same thing, I was just triggered by seeing it done like a metaphor right in front of me. And it took me a minute to figure out how I do it left and right. But It
0: wouldn't bother you if you don't also do it, if we're not all Oh
1: my God, no, that's exactly right. I'm always in my crosshairs. And I think you can't help but be when you're a professional autobiographer, you're always in your crosshairs. The thing that pisses you off is the thing that deep down you know that you
0: do. I think that's true of everybody, yes.
1: I think that's true, that's right. So anyways, that song... I showed it to the band and they were like wow like that's that's a powerful song and we love it we support you and that you could never play that on stage with Caden's call. And I was like you know what you guys are right. Like we've spent 10 years building something and it would just shatter it. But that was kind of the point that literally, that song literally like launched my solo career.
0: Yeah, that's um, I listened to it it's it's a lovely song and I couldn't quite figure out there's there's imagery in it that I was like is this about his divorce? Is this about? Mm. Um, granted, I was also researching you while I was listening to it, so please don't <laughs> think nah, nah. unclear song or something. But yeah. you mean the message is the wedding dress that you put on? But, but you're.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, to me at that time, I would have said if you're telling me that God loves me for any, if it's Jesus plus blank, whatever's in that blank is gotta go. I mean, that, that was the message of my, my practice of evangelical Christianity was Jesus is the whole shebang. And so there's not other stuff I add to it. Right. And so the idea was this guy is selling people stuff they get for free. Like if, because of Jesus, if that's the, if that's the, the, the way that you're looking at it, and it wasn't for me at that time, if Jesus is the whole shebang, the whole enchilada for you, and because of him, you get all of God's love and riches for all eternity. And like you were a son or daughter. If that's really, the, if that's what it is, then what's, what has he withheld from me that you're now selling me? If I pray this prayer 30 times, right. like, are you really saying I'm going to get to heaven and be disappointed that I didn't know this prayer because there's all this crap that God didn't give me my- that, that apparently he withheld from Jesus too?
0: Because so it's like, right. that's what, w- and so it's like, that's what's bothering me about. It. <laughs> I think that's one of my, the funniest things about, again, I, I understand the attraction to prosperity, magic yeah. prayer. Oh Yeah. F. But it's it's built on the backbone of a religion that didn't rescue his own son from crucifixion. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, he's like, take you this from my mouth. Maybe if you had prayed the prayer of Jabez, I wouldn't have been able to say no. Uh, but because and I literally, you didn't read that obscure passage at the Garden of Gethsemane, I'm going to have to let you be tortured and murdered. Right. But, uh, or you
1: didn't live till 1998. Right. when the book got written and so you didn't have the benefit of this yeah. modern knowledge and yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's just a little too, I mean, I don't even have to explain what's my problem. Well, and
1: it's been done a thousand times and he wasn't the, he didn't invent that trick. Yeah. Um, you know, and that book didn't do it for the first time. It's been done many times, but that's what I was responding to then yeah. yeah, of like, you know, like I'm undeserving of a thing that's given to me for free and I'm trying to come up with a way to buy it. I'm trying to come up with a way to convince myself I don't have it, right, and that I still need it, right. And you're trying to sell it to me and convince me I don't have it, and that was just like I bristled at it. You know, well, at
0: it also just strikes me how much uh, in the life of Jesus, he's telling people to leave things. You know, he didn't say like pray this prayer and you'll be the greatest fisherman in all of Galilee. He said drop everything and let's just basically go be hippies. Let's yeah. go be everything that makes you you. Yeah. Leave it. Right. Yeah. Because it's not anything anyway. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, it's the prodigal son over and over. This guy's story would be if the prodigal son had gone on his wayward adventure, prayed the prayer of Jabez, he would have become what Donald Trump. You know what I mean? Like he would have had a bunch of, yes. Yes. on yes. Yes.
2: That's,
0: that's what right. we want. We want to expand our territories. Uh, dude, that's. Jesus isn't even <laughs> interested in expanding his territories. I just read this, but Richie pointed out that, or taught me that Jesus is always talking about a minority. He's always saying like, mm. we're like the leaven and the bread. The, don't get me wrong. The, the, whole, it, the, yeah. the whole bread is, is loved and accepted and valuable and made of the same stuff as the, as the leaven fundamentally. But he's talking about a minority component. He's not talking mm. about a revolution of a new religion. Right. He's saying like, Will keep the light burning for those that find it, not a new yeah, yeah a yes. church and and anything yeah. on, on the billboard, yeah, and your own coffee shop and all nothing there's nothing wrong with any of that, right. but I don't no. see a guy going like, this is how, because yeah. who fucking cares you could have your building that says Derek Webb in gold, it's on right. fire, it's on fire, right. it's what Eckhart Tolle says all and if, and if it's not. Are
1: Yeah. Yeah. If it's not, then you're not seeing it. You don't have the eyes to see it. You're not understanding it correctly. That's
0: right. You're putting,
1: you're assigning some value to it that's just not there and can't
0: help you. Well, we're back to what you said. Everything is assigned value. It's like those letters mean my name, mean me. But really, people, if they even like Derek Webb, they like an idea. That's why Eckhart Tolle again this morning was talking about when people fall in love, they're really talking about infatuations. They're talking about obsessions, not even with the person, but with the idea of who they might be. I remember when I fell in love with a girl and then I watched Mad Men and I was like, oh my God, she's just like Joan. She's just like Peggy. I was filling in all of these blanks based on things I already liked. And there was my expert who said, this is conducive with the woman that you've met. I do think you're in love with her. Unless I said, I think we need to break up and say, yeah, the evidence shows that she's not like the people that you like and you need to break up. It's all fucking bullshit and it needs to be dropped. Dude. and,
1: And honestly, I feel like we're just like circling back to this thing and hopefully reinforcing it for anyone who's it certainly is for me is that like how much we love and gravitate to categories which are most categories are an effort to give a short answer to a question for which there's no short answer. Mm. And so it leaves all these huge disruptive gaps in there for a lot of texture. Some of the time that texture is the whole meaning, Mm -hmm. but we use this shorthand with each other. This is what we're talking about before. That's what this is. One of the ways I feel like the church is lazy is that they're so committed to certain words to express a feeling or a practice or a thing, a, a mystical practice that if you're even using different words, you're on the outside. Yeah. So if you're not agreeing with our words, we evangelize you. We treat you as unsaved yeah. or un-whatever, un- un-enlightened. But the thing is like, we so wish to categorize everything and drop it. Just like you said, like, oh, my girlfriend's a Peggy. Oh, she's a Joan. It's like, as soon as you do that, and we love doing that because then we can wrap our hand around it. Where we're prepared, we I'm understand. I just saw a know. TV
0: show where someone right. is summarizing the complexity of a human into right. a character, and then right. I'm taking a real human and going, "She's like that character." So right. I'm saying this reduction is like that even greater reduction. Right. reduction. So I can calm down and just go, "Like, I bet this relationship's going to be great." Because <laughs> it's too scary to be in outer space. Yes, that's right. And so we do it
1: in an effort to protect ourselves, make ourselves feel safe. And because and, and in control, because, mm-hmm. because we, we can control what we like, we want to understand things to control them. And I remember like, right after I kind of came out of some of my long season of belief about uh, invisible and noble things, certainty about invisible and noble things. I remember thinking, you know, I don't know that I could truly love something that I can truly understand. And if that's true, then like, I need to remember that. Cause I'm, I, I, I got married um, a little more than a year ago and um, remarried a little more than a year ago. And I think about my wife and I think like, and I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. I mean, it's just the best season of my whole life. And, right. and I, and I, and I credit that to all the, the gift of all the failure that I did go through and how little I relate to the person who lit the fuse on most of that failure. Thanks to so much great therapy. And, but it's like, I think about it and uh, you know, and I just, I think like if I can, the point at which I think I've got her figured out and I understand her and I can predict her and I can, that's like, cause first of all, I can't because she's constantly, she's a person for God's sake. She's changing constantly, yeah. but it's the point at which we believe we understand a thing and we can control a thing and it makes us feel safe and in control. That's when we fuck it all up. And that's, oh, that's what is done yes. to religion because who can stand It's like what you said, we have to, it's the the perpetually turning knife that's meant to give us pain and longing and, and, and permanent uncertainty that, that makes us lean forward into trying to find and understand it if we can in the moment, but without that, we will, we will institutionalize it. We will build plumbing around it. We will advertise our plumbing as it. And then the people who like our plumbing will come and sign up with us. Mm -hmm. And now it's my words against your words. But I see how it happens. And isn't it interesting how we do it? And every example points to our brain's desperate desire. It's like a factory that never shuts down in our brains that is trying to do this, constantly categorize uh, and understand and control everything. That's right. And so it's just like you say, oh, she's a Peggy, she's a Joan. It's like maybe she's remotely like one of those characters, but in the 65.5% that she's not, this is a bunch of delicious. Mysterious, real time. Where the shit that I, This yeah. is all the relationship here, and I. But in absence of the knowledge about the person, you're going to put all the weird TV personality and category and presumption, That's right. and that could easily ruin it. And I, you didn't break up with that girl; you broke up with a Joan. That's
0: right.
1: You know, you broke up with what the who the fuck ever. But the I point is, I never
0: met her. I never met her.
1: And that's beautiful. And that's exactly precise. Yeah.
0: yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I think it's St. John of the cross says when you're trying to be, uh, when you're trying to be contemplative, when you're just walking around a nature preserve and you're trying to not defend your idea of what a tree is and go like, yes, that is a tree and just feel certain. You're trying to just let reality be. He says, don't think, and he uses the he pronoun, which I'm not crazy about, but I'm just going to use the quote. Yeah, he says, just think of God as He is, not nothing more. Don't even think of like wonderful or amazing. Just that God no attributes. Yeah, just that God is as He is, and I find a lot of juice in that because that's wow. stripping out the like God is like a good dad or God is like a authority. He's a good president or a, a good leader. He's in control of everything. He's everywhere. He understands everything. He's all of that out ahead is- of. Everything mucking it up. And now I'm saying God is like a Joan. God is like Don Draper. God is God is like Roger. But you know what's beautiful? What's beautiful about
1: it is just like what we were talking about earlier, what it does is it is it clears all the smoke out of the room and creates the real estate to be able to improvise and imagine.
0: Yeah. Well, the string say, on your oh, car broke.
1: That's exactly right. That's That's exactly right. The joke didn't land. And so now I'm improvising. I'm like, oh, and I'm like on the tight wire. Here's the thing. You're always on the tight wire.
0: That's right. It's where you always You've are. You've never and, not been an inch away from infinite darkness, and that's not to scare you. That's to remind you. That's to humiliate you, in a, in a way that pulls you back into reality in the moment. Into the moment, and the yeah. moment is the only place where you can know, where you can experience the feeling of an unknowing truth. Yes, for <laughs> an unknowing it's also, truth. It's also the only place you are. That's right. You know, like well, that's what when I am watching Making a Murder, I am like, prove that I had a sandwich this morning. Like, you can't <laughs> you can't prove anything, or you could right. prove anything. You could be like, well, there exactly, was a sandwich exactly. in there, or there wasn't a sandwich in there. Like, we record these conversations, and it's fun to have that, but like, the files will be gone someday. You know what I mean? Like, everything right. is slipping away, and yeah. the more you let go of form, the blessed are the porn spirit. The more capable you are of getting in touch with the formless. And another word for the formless would be the eternal. And the eternal is not really interested in which mammals making sounds was logically right and argued their point better. Everybody would do well to just be like, I, like everything in this universe, this body, this mind, this opinion, this thought, this voice is passing. The thing that isn't passing is my pilot light. My pilot Mm. light is a piece of the same infinity that made the stars that built this body. And that's Mm. the only thing. And that's why you say God as he is, not as I think of him, but just just say, Mm. like Mary, yes to it. And then you'll see all of this new stimuli coming from outside and inside. And that's mysticism. And I don't want to debate it. I want to be like KD. Is. Right,
1: that's right. It's a mystic religion. But see, and it's beautiful. And as much as that all rings totally true, like radiating for me, it's not a thing against which you can measure yourself mm. to see if you're practicing it correctly. That's right. And that's what we most so desperately want. We want to know we're doing it better than that guy.
0: And to be special and to know that you exist because I think it comes down to a fear of death. If I'm doing this well and you're agreeing with me, then Pete exists, so the the my lizard brain relaxes and goes. Derek saw me, the the uh-huh. listeners heard me. I exist. I'm special. It's yeah. so difficult. I realized I had this dream about this guy, and he was throwing playing cards, and I was throwing playing cards. And when my playing cards got thrown, they turned into unbelievable. This was just last night. Unbelievable, perfect three dimensional butterflies flying in place, or actually bees. They were like beautiful bumblebee. Uh, butterfly hybrids. So I was doing this impossible trick. And the guy that was throwing the cards um, would just throw a playing card and hit my B He didn't care that I was making this Im- literally a miracle. Wow. And I was like, oh, that's why I don't like that guy. It's a guy that I have a problem with. And I was like, you know why I have a problem with that guy? He doesn't reflect back to me my specialness, he doesn't validate how much better I am than he is. <laughs> wow. And so that's, that's humiliation. And I was like, yeah, Pete, it's uncomfortable. And I'm all for Val mirrors back my value and I mirror back her value. I mirror back my daughter's value. There's place for it. But in the eternal scheme of things, I'm trying to get more comfortable going. I don't, in the grand scheme, need you, Derek, to like me or affirm me. I do in the short game right now. That's that's part of the puppet show that Pete is putting on right now. I want you to like me. But I'm trying more and more to draw upon the inner source, where all truth, all life, and everything comes from, to point it inward instead of outward. I've made a whole career of going like, is that good to get a lot of retweets? And it's a fucking fool's errand. Because as soon as I define myself by public opinion, now I'm addicted to it. And even if I'm the biggest comedian in the world, I'm in a mansion on a hill just scheming on how I can remain relevant. And now I'm a again 55. Success,
1: year. you don't learn anything. You learn nothing. Yeah. But yeah. more heap of pressure for more success. I mean, it's a it's a it's a momentum up a hill off a cliff. But uh, and not to overdo the boat metaphors, but I got to do one more. I don't know if in your time uh, swimming in these waters you ran across a guy named uh, uh, Don Miller, but uh, Donald Miller. So he wrote a book called Blue Like Jazz. Oh, and, I read Blue uh, Like he,
2: Jazz. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So and he's a fascinating guy, and we've known each other for a super long time. And he's got this great bit of language that he would use where he would talk about how everybody's, uh, life is basically a process of convincing everyone else that they deserve to stay in the lifeboat. Mm. And cause somebody has got to get out of the lifeboat. I mean, the lifeboat it's, it's, it's time's running out. Everybody's got to go. And so everything I'm doing is in an effort to persuade everyone around me and probably more deeply myself yep. that I deserve to be in the lifeboat and mm. I deserve to stay in the lifeboat and I'm valuable in the lifeboat. A. And, uh, yeah. And so he would talk and he, he really had, That's and if it. you look back on, on huge failures or huge, like how the, like how did I manage to do that or to treat those people like that? Or to, to this thing in my life or this corner I fell off of or whatever it is, it's like, Oh wow. Like that was me just obsessing on, uh, persuading everybody of my value in the lifeboat.
0: Yeah. That's it. Something goes wrong and you're like, I'm going to get kicked out of the lifeboat now. I'm
1: about to get kicked out of the lifeboat for God's sake. And I got to do, I got to, everybody's got to see me as a guy valuable in the lifeboat. And I've I love s- that. I love that
0: language. It's you know? a beautiful. I read that book decades before I was ready to hear it. I really think ears to hear yeah. is a valuable thing. And I did not have. Oh it. yeah. I was reading it, yeah. hoping it would reflect back to me what I already knew. I was not, re- yeah. I was not reading a book to hear something new. Um, I, I, re- yeah, I don't exactly. mean to throw my dad under the bus. I've quoted him saying it many times, but I think it's indicative of something that we all do. My wife left me, my first wife left me, I'm 28 years old. And he said, well, she left you, You're, you, you come out clean. And basically what he was saying was, don't worry, everyone's going to keep you in the lifeboat she's a mm-hmm. She's a bad person, and you're a good person, and you're still in the lifeboat. so it was actually from that lens I can see, and I even knew at the time my dad is loving me how he can It was just it's indicative of what we do, like your wife yeah. leaves you, I'm a failure, I can't keep it together. You know, I watched the Tiger Woods thing, all the affairs and all this stuff, and how we love mm-hmm. to tear somebody down, and that's basically kicking him out of the lifeboat. Yeah. And what Tiger needs to realize and yeah. what I, I – he doesn't need to realize anything. But what we all would do well to realize is your place in the lifeboat is evidenced by your being in the lifeboat. It's right. not playing 12 PGA tournaments perfectly, and it's not having a TV show or whatever it is in my case. You are not a stranger here, yeah. evidenced yeah. by the fact that you are here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. your ticket to the show. It's yeah. not earned, and it's yeah, yeah it's it's freely yeah. given, and you have to accept that you're accepted, and that's your work. Yeah, there's no prayer to pray, no matter how many times. I don't do care it, if Jeb is did it or didn't do it.
1: Right. Well, see, and the thing that's tough about about, it's actually it's a gift. I really do see these things as gifts. But like in my story, um, I was the one who left the lifeboat. I was the one who. You know, in my my first marriage, like I was the one who who burned the thing down. I was the one who screwed up, mm. and so for me, it it's basically it was me holding my nose and backing out of the lifeboat. Yeah. You know, like I didn't belong there, and I and it took me well, a that's long what time my ex
0: did too. Like you know, if you see her, say hello. The 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 in the Dylan song, he says. If you see her, tell her I always respected her for doing what she did and getting free. The first time I heard that, I I don't think I was ready. I It absolutely floored me. But when I look back on my ex now, if this offers any comfort to you, you can go like, wait, she saw it for what it was. We were playing a puppet. Sorry to keep saying a puppet show. I know, it's good. We were puppets. And she said oh, no, I think I'm in the wrong show. Not that it's not all a puppet show and we're just going to go play another role somewhere else. But like, so she held her nose and, and, and had an affair uh, to end it. She knew what she yeah. was doing, I think. Um, yeah. And it, what, so that's what you did. You were like, I'm in the wrong place? Yeah, I mean, it's his own story. But it's, it,
1: it ultimately resulted, the thing I think I'm grateful for about it is it resulted in my having nowhere to run from an accounting and an audit of the way I saw myself in the world. Mm-hmm. And, it, and so it was a failure of such depth and total destruction of my own, everything that made me, me, you know, the grid through which I looked at the world, all the, every adjective I would use to describe myself, if I was right in my bio, all those things that were true of me for so long left mm-hmm. it was all gone like ninety eight and a half percent friend turnover, I mean the whole thing, my career I didn't know if I would ever play music again I mean I, you know I, it was really a it was a, in my little corner of the world it was it was devastating mm-hmm. and i and i I lit the fuse on the thing i mean i devast. i did it and and yet it it provided me it jumped so you know we were talking about like you can't know the veracity of the boat you're in the boat you're in while you're in it because you can't be honest with the fact that, can this thing hold me can it is it airtight is it watertight rather well then you hit a big wave, you get tossed out of that boat. You're given this great gift for the, for a brief fleeting moment while you're up in free fall to have a look at it. Mm-hmm. And during that time I was like, shit, is that what I've been in all this time? Like I don't, would like, you say think, blessed are the poor in spirit? I mean, we're back to that thing. No, I know that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So it gave me this gift of forced. Rethink of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. And especially at a time. And again, it's not a thing I fault the church or even the local church here in Nashville, but I was tossed out of that thing. Like I kind of had nowhere to go. Even if I'd wished to be to practice at that time, it was not really an option for me at that time. Like I, because the community here is so small and some people get so crushed because of what they have invested in, whatever the metaphor of your life is to them, that they can never let you free of the pain of feeling it, you know, all the time. And so they pursue your shame so doggedly for so long Usually, because of something that is deeply resonant in them about something that that is now public of view that is private for them, and and that's I've seen. And my therapist gave me great guidance on that. But um, oh, that's there's a point. Another scapegoat. There's a point at which, yeah, there's a point at which uh, there's there's a there's a there's a, there's a, there's a, uh, a, a reasonable uh, blast radius around an event of both time and and relationship proximity where it's like any reaction is really okay. Because if it's something really shocking and devastating, then people are going to just, within a certain amount of time or a certain relationship proximity, are going to have a reaction. Beyond that, it's like there's people who stick around and there's people who kind of stick around to watch the ship go down and people who stick around to pursue someone's shame over a thing that doesn't seem to be a relevant thing as, it was, as much as it was in the radius of the blast. And my, my therapist, to, to, to whom I really credit, was so, so much guidance to help me, give me better tools to process and do this for myself, And he was like, listen, there's a point at which you are going to be on one side of two-way glass. They're going to have no idea that what they are revealing to you in their outrage. Outrage reveals everything. And they're going to be revealing And you're going to be the only person with the popcorn sitting there seeing it. And they're not going to have any idea. And if they knew they were showing you, the people who stick around, when the whole crowd turns and walks and the eight or ten people are still standing there looking at you in the metaphor of the crowd – have no idea that they're still there in in many cases, because there is something that they cannot, they can no more forgive you for than they can forgive themselves for. And so they'll never let go of their, their shame about something. And therefore they can't walk away from pursuing your shame about something. Of course. Yeah. And then eventually he said, I think over time with these handful of folks, you'll probably, I, I don't, we don't wish it on them and hopefully not, but you might hear over time like, Oh, Oh boy, that's what he was seeing when he was looking at me. No wonder he was so fucking angry. Like that's what he was seeing. And I don't, I, and therefore I have no right to see him as my enemy. I don't, it wasn't even me. He was interacting with. That's right. It was,
0: it was, a it, Joan. was it, it was a it was Joan.
1: On once, it was a, a Joan. I was a Joan for him, you yeah. know, and, and it, which is not to say that I don't have responsibility and shouldn't own what I did, of course, but there's a point at which after health is restored and reconcil- reconciliation is restored and, and, you know, you kind of happy and healthy and moved on where like, you know, like this is a thing maybe you need to process. And sometimes it does take that devastating moment to where he gets to realize, Oh no, like it's, it's actually my thing. And, yeah. um, and when you hear about it and, and, uh, and I've actually had some tremendous conversations with some friends over these years, um, folks to come back and say, you know what, like there was it was not fair of me. And I now realize you know you probably have now heard and you now know and that's what i was looking at when i was looking at you and right. i'm sure you saw that and forgive me and we have and and it's again that failure has led to amazing intimacy um mm. that could the depths of which could not have been accomplished any other way
0: of and so of course of course yeah it needs to be hit with a sledgehammer because when we're looking there's so many slides in front of our reality right. that we project yeah, onto. Right. Yeah. When I say no one's ever met anybody, it's it's a Byron Katie line. <laughs> and again, I don't think it's lonely. It's it's really, um, again, humiliating to remember that everybody is swimming in their own yeah. world. For example, yeah. when my father uh, doesn't isn't uh, as proactive, let's say, about COVID as I am. And he's like, sure. n- nobody, he sort of has the attitude. He, he wears a mask and stuff. Please don't judge my dad. But yeah. he has this attitude of like, go out and live and eat a lobster roll and like live it up. And I'm like, I was thinking about, it. I was like, this is a guy. Defiantly, who, like, What's that? Defiant? Defiantly. You yeah, know. It is defiant. yeah. And I was like, why can't he just like quarantine? Or if he needed to quarantine. And I'm like, this is a guy who lost his parents. This is a guy who I won't go into my father's stuff cause I'm a little more protective of his privacy than mine, but he's had all these image, all these things happen in his life that told him that the universe is not safe. The universe is random the universe is not trustworthy. So eat a lobster roll. And I was like, Oh, that's why. But like that, that was that took a lot of work. Cause it was very tempting to just be like, my dad's hard headed and he, and he's, he doesn't care about other people. And I was like, no, you have to think about his life and where did he learn the lesson that life sucks, right. life is unfair, so eat a lobster roll. And, right. and it was because of these different things.
1: Oh, it's like every time you see a person, it's like, especially people who are really frustrating. And I, I don't even know, and I've not tried this out. So I'll try it right here live. But when you think about someone like Donald Trump and you mm-hmm. think like, I, it's, it's a struggle for me, but I will try to think to myself, what made him? That's what I mean. Like, that's ex- like this. That's exactly what. Like right. What? What? And and if I or anybody had been put in that gauntlet, been dropped in the top of that plinko board, and hit all those pegs on the way down, would would I not be just like that? That's right. And I and I'm suspicious that I would. Which is also to say, are we not all capable? Are there really heroes and villains, or are we not all just real time potential to be the best and worst at any given time under any circumstances?
0: Yeah, it's absolutely. And right.
1: I, and I think that's got – which brings humility because then it's no longer, oh, it's us and them and they're like that and we're like this. It's like, nah. We're
0: all like anybody all the time right. in the right moment and watch your back about that's it. That's right. You think I'm a sweet or a nice guy or an optimistic guy, um, don't feed me for three days and, uh, and, and make me read negative Twitter comments. Yeah, and right. then talk to me right. about your right. dream of comedy. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the humility – It comes from going like, wait, I'm susceptible to missing a meal, but I'm not open to the idea that these kinds of parents and this kind of all that stuff could make me into a a Donald Trump or a Mussolini or whoever. um, That everybody. That's why I
1: bring up my own failures, just because that's the gift it gave me is it 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 shoved me permanently off the high the moral high ground. That's right. In a way that was really helpful for me. Because I was like, oh well, now I don't have any choice but to reckon with and then reshape a worldview around the idea that um, you know I was not a guy who I ever imagined that being my story yeah, ever. Yeah. I couldn't have imagined that being my story, and it wasn't a thing that I was that I even felt like there was any like, oh, you could have seen the. It's, it wasn't like, and again, it's you know, and and every story has perspectives, and I, so there's no point. But and I even now on the other over to here, I can't remotely relate to the, to the, the guy who did those things in my past, yeah. not remotely yeah. in my current life, but it's like, it's helpful to remember it. It's just a humility and a good real time. Um, I didn't, I, I was going to use a word like cautiousness or something, but like a, it's like a responsibility yeah. about like, we are all capable. Like, don't buy into the narrative of yourself that you or anyone else is trying to sell or persuade you of, no matter how good or bad it is at any given time. So, um, which this and this felt that felt like a lot of words to say a thing that most people already know and think about all the time. But like, just don't buy into that one with the other because what it's going to do is it's um, it's, it's you are going to have to go through some deconstruction again of like this idea. Don't exhaust yourself like that. Like y- you are capable, and I am capable every day and every moment. Of being the best and worst version of art, like I am, you know, uh, Gandhi and Donald Trump at any given moment, and just put, drop me at the top of the plinko board and watch me fall, bro. Like that's what's going to happen. Right. And but if I, but I, but it allows me to act in a, both a humble and open way with people if I can remember this and I don't have to scream at the guy who cuts me off because I'm like. Well, shit, like I wonder what, I mean, and obviously I'm going to, of course, I'm going to give him the bird and honk at him. But what I could do is say, well, I wonder what his story is. You know, like I wonder what kind of day he's having, And I wonder how he grew up. And I wonder how he learned to act this way or somebody who, parents in a different way than I do. The same compassion has
0: to be given to you when you get angry and and give him the bird. What was going, like I, I just got some professional news. It's not bad news, but it was making me very stressed. And then I was more upset that Leela was up at four in the morning. That didn't manifest in any way. But internally, I was like, "Wow, this is really bothering me i I even thought of Mary's yes to reality. I even thought- I had all the thoughts, but they weren't landing and then I went, Oh right, you're angry and stressed because something that you wanted to go your way professionally yeah. seems to be going the other way, but that awareness is self love is self compassion to go like, yeah, just like I can understand if you get angry or you go into your Donald Trump or you go into your whatever, yeah. I can do that for me." And you yeah. know that brokenness you talk about, your divorce, my divorce. Stephen uh, Stephen Miller, uh, Mitchell, excuse me, Stephen Mitchell wrote The Gospel According to Jesus. Have you heard me talk about that? Yes, yeah. It's such a great book. And he really shines a light on the fact that Jesus grew up in a time when family was so important and he didn't have a dad. And so uh-huh. the, the, the common belief wouldn't have been the Holy Spirit impregnated your mom. Uh, the belief would have been your mom it was a loose person or a, had sex out of wedlock and had you out of wedlock and to call someone a bastard, they had an even worse word for it. And Jesus would have been like very intimately familiar with that word. And he thinks this is why it informed Jesus's ministry to talking about forgiveness so much talking uh. like, of course you need the ingredients. You need to understand what it feels like to be an outsider, to talk to outsiders and be like, you're good. You're good. You're good. But like um, I see that happening with your experience as well. I, I, it's just mm-hmm. I ca- I can't talk about this stuff enough. It's not the it's not the prayer of B- Baez Jabez, Joan Baez. It's um
1: <laughs> that sounds pretty cool to me actually. I'd be super curious to find out the, what shit she. I
0: pray
1: that every day. I'm a musician for sake. Yeah, I'm a singer right. songwriter.
0: That's right. I just I just love it. I love all of these falling upward stories yeah. that don't end in. Western prosperity. Yeah. Well, and it's like you said, it's
1: like so much of like it's it's reckoning with the cycle of expectations and reality being out of sync. So that's what it is. So it's like you said with your thing. It's like this was my expectation. Even if I didn't whisper that dare to anybody, I was this is what I was hoping for, imagining. It's my expectation. And it happened like that instead. So they were a little out of sync. And now I'm having to deal with that. And it's a it's when you get the entitlement of believing, especially a worldview that um underscores and confirms for you that you in a unique and special way um, or as a nation in a unique and special God blessed way that there's an entitlement that these things are going to go when things are going correctly, they're all going this way for you right. and in a way that you expect. And when they're not going correctly, it's like, where did God go? It's like, Oh, reality and expectation are different. Where, what happened? I'm failing. Where did God go? Who said that everything's supposed to be exactly like your expect? Like, where did you get your expectation? It's just what you wanted. And how do
0: you don't know what you How do you know know you're not the Romans? Yeah. Yeah. You always think you're Jesus. How do you not know? Somebody said this to me recently. It's like, how do you even know what to manifest? Like these ideas, like like, I can pray and God will give it to me, especially if it's this magic prayer. How do you know what you need? Yeah, Yeah. Because most often, can't we demonstrate? aren't all the
1: best stories stories of here's the thing that I was not expecting. That is not what I ever would have wanted or wished on my worst enemy, but it happened to me and it changed everything. That's, right. and that's kind of the story of my life. Yeah. Kind of my adult life. Anyway, from my thirties to my
0: forties. We're all silly putty We were made by and, accident.
1: <laughs> and these are, the, and this was like, this is the most meaningful, impactful growth, health journey of my whole life has been a result of, of the thing that I would never have imagined or wished right. happening. And if it lighted house on fire.
0: Yeah. It's back to the future too. If you're, <laughs> if you're Biff and you have the book and My favorite three movies of all time, talk to me. Let's do this now. <laughs> well, look at Biff. He kind of becomes a Trump like character. He knows how it's the sport games are gonna go. He bets, he becomes a billionaire, and he's a demon, he's a golem. He he's yeah. a miserable vampire. Yeah. yeah. And that's a very profound message. It's like, if yeah. you know how it's going to go and you know how to benefit from that. Oh, okay. you would fuck it up. Like it's also, I, I say it all the time, but I'm going to say it to you. Alan Watts says, if you were, oh, if you it. were the original awareness, if you were God, if you were the, the first consciousness and yeah. you could do anything um, and you could just make yourself feel fantastic, like mm-hmm. the, a million orgasms, and you could even have that crescendo you're smart enough to know that it's going to get better and better and better it's going to build on itself. It's like how long would you do that you're mm-hmm. You're timeless. How long would you do that? A year, ten years, fifty years, a thousand years, a million years And he goes, "How long before you make a red button that says something happens?" And oh, I go no. that's why when you oh, play God. I know when you play SimCity, you keep disasters on because you want that earthquake. this is in the video game. And you yeah, want definitely. that Godzilla attack because then you're going to rebuild it in this way that you never would that's have right. expected that's
1: yeah. the whole thing that makes the whole, the whole thing interesting and the adaptation and the and it's like my wife Abby, and I always talk about this that and it's and it, it's a uh, um i don't it, it's it, the, the uh every time you see somebody and again i'm not digging on anybody here, but there's this this saying or this joke about like every time somebody wins a lottery, they wind up unless they have help they, they wind up blowing all the money on on shit they don't need and they make themselves kind of miserable. And it's like, if anybody back to Donald Trump, anybody given infinite resources, I, I'm, I'm saying all this because of that thing you said about how do you even know what to manifest? And that's going to hit me for the next few days, but <laughs> because given infinite resources to accomplish and have whatever you think you want in the world, all it would do is amplify who you your understanding of yourself in the world, mm. which is to say, and that's why, you know, people like take cocaine and it doesn't make you better. It just amplifies your current personality. And it's like that old joke. Oh, well, what if you're an asshole? You know, it's like, you know, so it's like, it's just going to make you a lot more of one. And it's like given infinite resources, given, we're all going to figure out that, you know, it it doesn't change us. It just amplifies and shows more fully who we are. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't even know why I got, I I think it was that, that manifest thing. It was like, Right. I don't know. Because in every case, this was the point I was, where my brain was. In every case, it's the opposite of the thing that I would give myself with all the world's resources is, are the things that my favorite parts yeah. of my life, my favorite, most valuable parts of my story are the things that I never would have ever willfully caused, wished for, whatever it is. That's right. And those are the things, given infinite resources, I would never do to myself. So how, how do I know what to manifest? Yeah. I mean, that is the
0: question yeah, right there. Yeah. Thank God you're not in control.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> and, and and getting comfortable with, again, the reality and the expectation, just being out of sync. And how do I deal with that? And who am I in the struggle of those things just perpetually being out of sync? It's like Patton Oswald, who's one of my absolute all-time favorite philosophers and tellers of truth I think he's amazing at it and his whole thing at the end of that crushing and beautiful, uh, the up that he did, especially did after his wife passed mm-hmm. where her quote about it's all chaos, be kind. And that thing of like, you know, uh, just learning to live in the insanity and pushing forward and saying, you know what, let's, why do we have an expectation that things are going to go our way and that everything's somehow working, you know, my good and the glory of this thing that I've created, that's maybe not the real thing. That's the thing, but like, there's a point at which it's intensely liberating. um, and actually is a real path to joy to be able to say, you know what, I'm completely out of control of all of this. And, and rather than getting comfort in trying to understand and therefore control it, what if I just said, Oh my God, I don't know. Mm. I don't know. And then I get to enjoy my wife and all the mystery that she brings every single day right. into my life, and I get to enjoy the pursuit of, of an unknowable, invisible, uncertain thing that's both out there and maybe in here, and who knows? And I get to test my hypotheses, and but I get to enjoy all that because I'm not wrecked every time my expectation and reality get out of sync. Mm-hmm. And my whole life being based on those things working together. And that's how I know I'm doing it right. And that's how I know God loves me and he's for me. And that's how we know America is God's blessed nation is because the expectation, the reality are working together, they're in sync together. When they're out of sync, oh, God's hands on another nation. What the fuck are we talking about? Like we're assigning meaning to these things, but where is the presumption at the beginning? Why the the joy can come from saying none of this is, is is remotely in my control or ability to understand and that's not where my joy or comfort's ever going to come
2: from—is
1: mm. um, understanding or controlling any of it. I just get to kind of bob along here and live in the potential of that in every r- real time moment. I mean, you know, and again, that's—I can't build a, a a building and a you know a faith statement and a curriculum around that. But maybe that's the problem with organized religion. Mm. You know, is because it's all in an effort to build, a systematize a thing that we can all look at and say, "Hmm." Mm-hmm. I'll say every line of that creed every single week so we all reaffirm it. And that's the admission into the door. Mm. And if you don't agree with that, well, then you can hang out outside and hopefully you'll want to come in so bad that you'll eventually
0: agree. Right. But that seems to be the. John the thing we need to- cake. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't it kind of funny that you're like, we have a slip and slide. You know what I mean? It is sort of like, you know, well, when we the other thing, again, it's like, yeah, we put the, now we got the workout center.
1: We got the bowling alley and we got the thing. And, you know, I mean, how many a, of
0: us did go to church because th- the coffee was good, and then and then you like stay for the salvation,
1: or the girls were hot, or whatever it was. You know, like the well, that
0: was my Christian college was uh, you go there to find a wife, and I thought that was yeah. so stupid, and then I ended up doing it. I was like, how well, okay. I find a free range Christian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, so just to put a, a point on the board
1: for for Christianity, because now I feel like I need to bring some balance to it. Um, you know, to be fair, Jeremiah you know, go out and preach repentance, you know, that he had a job to do. He went out into the world. He preached uh, for 40 years with no converts. Um, And you would think that at some point along the way, he would have changed something or maybe gotten the better coffee or the more comfortable seats or the better band or the hotter girls or the new pastor. You'd think he would have changed something up 40 years, no converts. And yet, he was a success. Well, the reason is, now, Os Guinness, I don't know if you've run across him, but he's a fantastic writer of Christian thought. Uh, Oz Guinness, whose family were actually part of the founding of the Guinness Beer Company, which makes it all the better story. <laughs> he, um, he said in a book called Prophetic Untimeliness, he had this great thing about the difference between faithfulness and success. And he said that that Jeremiah was not successful, but he was faithful. And the the, way, the place that a lot of Christian churches get tripped up is... That they're they're focused on success rather than faithfulness. Faithfulness would look like doing the thing, a long obedience in one direction, with no regard for the product that it yields, you know, and does it, you know, it, it is it working? Who gives a shit? Mm. Did Jeremiah ask himself that? No. Forty years with no converts. That's a great metaphor, and that should be the through line for the way churches are practicing it or at least projecting it. Because I can relate to that. Because then it's like, oh, you know what? We're not going to change shit around to try to get more con- people in the door and make it more this or that. We're actually going to just focus on what we think is right, and we're going to do that. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter where we fall uh, incarnationally into any given moment in culture, if we're in step or out of step, you know, we're peculiar, and it's a peculiar thing we're doing. And so- we're going to be we're going to be faithful, and sometimes faithfulness and success can look like the same thing, but oftentimes they're in opposition to one another. And anyways, I just you know I love I it. I think that's a good metaphor to put a point on the board for for Christian ideas to say I love that. Yeah, I love the idea of he did what he was supposed to do and he was a success even though he was a fail he failed, but he was faithful. And so it was again the asterisk next to the word. Let's define all the words in the sentence he was successful because he, he did what he was supposed to do. He did what he was asked to do. He did the, he demonstrated that he believed what he said he was believing mm, mm. and where churches don't do that. And they're like, yeah, I don't want, we don't want to be like Jeremiah because you know, we don't want to get 40 years, no converts. Like let's cha- let's whatever it is ad- adapt and whatever. And, uh, oh. and I, I think that's a beautiful metaphor, you know, and I,
0: I do yeah. too. I remember going to a church when I was a teenager and they were like, if you're not saving one person a year, like what are you doing? Mm. And I was like really challenged by that. I Also, somebody that I know was a pastor of a church and or somebody that I know, their father was a pastor of a church. And at the altar call, everybody's head was bowed and he'd say, who wants to accept Jesus? And if someone raised their hand, uh, he'd say, "Um, I see you. But if somebody raised their hand and it was somebody that he knew had raised their hand previously, like those people that just want another bump, um, he would say, thank you. So there was a code. Wow. So there was someone taking a ledger of how many people were oh. saved, and he would go, I see you meant ledger. Thank yes. you, man. That's a redundancy. Don't, don't count that one. I, <laughs> counted, him last
2: week.
0: I <laughs> counted him last week. Oh boy.
1: Yeah. I yeah well, and, I mean, dude, I know that because that's, I mean, I, again, I grew up with, 10 years in a band with a guy whose dad was a Baptist mega pastor and we would play all these beach retreats. And it was like a, it's almost like ta- speaking in tongues. It's like, you got to kind of get it started for everybody to really jump on. <laughs> and so he'd be up there in the front. We were the band behind him vamping, you know, and we'd be looking at all these, these emotional college kids. And he'd be saying, just put your hand up. And, no hands going up, like no hands going up. It's a rough crowd, and he's like, "Great, I, yeah, I see you over there in the back, and thank you over there." And then after a handful of those things, we're like, "Oh, other people are doing this. Okay, cool, I'm in." And then, but
0: would he fake
1: the first? Sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It would be like you doing your act. And responding to laughs that in the corner out. that were not, like, oh yeah, thanks over there, thanks over there, guy. I really wow. appreciate. You. I really start. You. you must have grown up. And no one's like we're not hearing the laughs, but it, but everyone's got earmuffs on or whatever. So it's like, oh. yeah, every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you, sir, for that hand. I see you. I see you in the front. No hands, but then it would get it
0: going.
2: Oh my so, yeah. God!
0: I see you. I thank you. Who wants <laughs> to be swayed? Thank you so much. Thank you. And the people are like, wow I, I don't want to be left behind.
1: <laughs> I thought that's where you were going. I was like, oh, bro, I know this trick. I do. Yeah, we
0: used to do it all the time. That's even better. Well, this has Pretty been bad. amazing. I feel a slight guilt going longer than two hours these days because I, I need to get back yeah. to parenting. Um, Absolutely. This is an honest question. I'll even edit it out if you don't. Do you want to play yeah. Wedding Dress? Um. Yeah. You mean like play it or like you either, play it? Or- we could play a recording of it. I just see that you're in your little area. You could play it now or we just play it. Oh my God. Well,
1: yeah. I mean, I would, I would, I mean, if you would, I would love to hear it. Oh, well, gosh. Well, yeah, I would love to do that.
0: Okay, great.
2: Um,
1: yeah. And we can just end there. Yeah. It sounds great. Um, yeah. Let me, uh, you know, what's funny is I am to the point in my career where I have enough songs now to where I don't, I can't expect myself to remember the words.
0: Oh, you're looking at the lyrics. A, Good for you. On the internet. Oh, before um, you do it, Derek, do you have a hardest time you laugh story? Because I do want to end on the song. That's such a better idea. Oh yeah. Do you have a, a uh, time you laughed the hardest in your life. Man, it's it's got to be.
1: I, I I here's what I have. Um, I have ten years in this band with these people that I loved more than like anything, who I had this incredible experience with in Caveman's Call. And I just remember countless, like two to six six o'clock in the morning um, in the back of a bus with these people, having the time of our lives, completely sleep deprived and young. And it was, I I just remember hoarse with laughter being around these people in that experience. And it's crazy how by the end of it, I was thinking, oh, like, it's like family. These people have like, Harmed me emotionally, and I've harmed them, and this is all just a terrible. But I look back on it now, and it's just the loveliest. Like when I think, when you ask the question just now, what I think of is so many, like one moment put together in my imagination of just countless hours hanging with these people, doing this thing that was. I'm, was the springboard off of which I jumped into the whole rest of my life professionally. And I'm so grateful for, and these people I love so
0: much. Anyway, I love you know, that answer. I, I know exactly what you mean. The times that I've gotten to tour with other comedians.
1: With, and every time we all get together again. And so some of them live here in Nashville, some a lot live in Texas and we'll get together still. And, uh, you know, you just jumped right back into that. Now, if I'd been smart, what I would have said was when my wife and I saw you at Zany's here in Nashville. Oh, uh, You
0: did? Oh my God! Yes, we did. Was it the show where my head was bleeding? There was a show where I hit my head before I went out. No. Yeah. Well, because you you did many sets
1: over many nights I there because it's a, a, a beautiful club here in town, it and is. we've seen a lot of shows. There. But we also saw you with Judd at the uh, at the Ryman. Oh wow! And, uh, that was, which was a tremendous. That was- tremendous. Yeah. So you really should have said no, any one of no. an hour and a half I've right. said in Z.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I like your answer much better. Okay, let, let's yeah. play the song, and, and if you don't mind, oh my gosh, I'll my vamp hands. while you get your guitar. Oh, it's so close. Oh, it was oh it's so right. close. It's right. what a handsome uh, guitar.
1: Yeah. So th- this is a recording cane guitar. These are like the super cheap guitars. They're super inexpensive, and they're I love this little
0: I love this little guitar. It's beautiful. And,
1: uh, yeah. So let me. Um, I'll move my little mic over a little bit. i we'll do this deal. What if you break a
0: string? How funny would it be? That would it would be, <laughs> it would be like the thing. It would be like would be the, the perfect thing. Okay.
1: Um, yeah, so here, here it goes. So this is a wedding dress. Now, I wrote this song, to be fair. I mean, here's what I always say. I'm, I, am, I may not be, as I sit before you today, the man who wrote this song. Uh, I, I'm not the man who wrote this song. But, but um, if if my job as a as a professional autobiographer is to look at the world and describe it, that's my job, then all I can do is say that although I might not have written this song, the, the young man who did write this song, looking at the world with the information that he had, did the best job that he could uh, to describe it for us. And I, I trust him and I will therefore cover his material. Uh, but rest assured, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> um, I'm grateful for a song like this because it did. It, it propelled a whole other you know, out of my band and then, you know, into a season of risk and solo music. And that's what I'm still doing now.
0: Oh, I cover cover Pete Holmes all the time.
1: Precisely. Okay. Just saying. Um, Okay. So (laughs) here.
2: If you could love me as a wife. And for my wedding gift, your life Should that be all I'll ever need Or is there more I'm looking for And should I read between the lines And look for blessings in disguise You make me handsome, rich and wise. Is that really what you want? Because I am a whore, I do confess, put you on like a wedding dress. And I run down the aisle, I run down the aisle. I am a prodigal with no way home. I put you on like a ring of gold And I run down the aisle I run down the aisle to you So could you love this bastard child Though I don't trust you to provide with one hand in a pot of gold, with the other in your side Because I am so easily satisfied by the call of lovers less wild. That I would take a little cash Over your very flesh and blood Cause I am a whore I do confess Put you on like a wedding dress Run down the aisle I run down the aisle I am a prodigal With no way home Put you on just like a ring of gold, and I run down the eye. I run down the eye to you because money cannot buy a husband's jealous eye. When you have knowingly Deceived his wife And I am that whore I do confess it Put you on like a wedding dress And I run down the aisle I run down the aisle I am a prodigal With no way home I put you on Just like a ring of gold And I run down the aisle I run down the aisle To you
0: To you Wow, thank you so much, Jack. That was awesome. It's a pleasure. Pleasure, man. I really got to listen to it that time. It was very powerful. I think Young Garrick mm. is, is a worthy cover.
1: <laughs> uh, well, he left me some decent material to work with. I mean, some of these tunes I can still
0: play. That's great. That's so great. And forgive me if I Gungered you. When Gunger did it, I, w- I was talking about beautiful things and all this stuff. And he was like, oh, I have so much better stuff. And I was like, just give me time. I'll, no. I'll, I'll get to it. But uh, oh. I'm a, well, here's the thing. I'm like, a new fan. I always
1: no, I really appreciate it. And the thing is, it's, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Like, you know, you, you can never resent the things that provide a connection point that people could resonate with. And that are me, like I, I could never, you know, if I, I've never had a hit in my life, that song's probably as close as I've had. Cause it's just been really meaningful to me. Um, you know, and it was a disruptor for me, but like, I can never hate on a song like that. Uh, much as I don't feel maybe some of that as much as I did in the same ways right. defined the same ways, but like, especially if like people ask for it and request it, like I'll always play that because it's like, you know, it, what's more important to me is the the connection point that it provides. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so if you can do that, man, I'll play it all day
0: long. I really appreciate it. Ah, really, it's really beautiful. It was very beautiful for me. Um, well, thank you. I'm going to get to the fam. Uh, you've listened to the yes. show before. Would you mind gracing us with a keep it crispy? And, and I hope we get to meet one day and, and, and get to keep talking another time.
1: 100% and keep it crispy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've never had one like that. 400 plus. I no, I loved it. Are you kidding me? Yep.
1: Um, no, it's been such a pleasure. I can't even tell you. It's just what a thrill to get to do this. So thanks so much again. Thank man. you, dear. Great,
0: great stuff. Thank for. you very much.
2: I'm so crispy. My ice I just want to.